Are you ready? Power. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I'm building an alliance. God bless the internet. Okay, let's party. It's showtime. It's time for the Alliance Guys podcast with your hosts Kevin Fraser, Jaden, DKM, and Jay Cal. What is up, party people? Welcome to the Alliance Guys podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, your number one source for news and information for the national wrestling alliance. My name is Jay Cal. With me are my two friends. My pals, my confidants. I'm talking about Mr. Jaden and the one, the only, the DKM. Welcome, gentlemen. You know, I was just thinking I should be mentioned first during this podcast because obviously I'm the star. Um, the ratings and everything go up when I'm on. Everybody loves me. So well, I think I should always be mentioned first. Ass. I cannot dispute that sometimes. We also get the most complaints about you, so. Well, yeah, but it's because the people don't like being mentioned how wrong they are. <laughs> it's got a point. Just realized I had the hat on backwards. We don't do that here. We are a legit podcast. Professionals. The highest of quality. Speaking of quality, show. I like the new entrance music. It made me think of, of oh, no. Anyway, maybe thinking of how uh, my money don't jiggle jiggle, it folds. I like to see you wiggle wiggle. Yeah, uh, for show. Sure. <laughs> and now we just got kicked off. Thanks for the copyright. Hey, uh, I see some of our friends in the chat already. James is here. James is here early today. James got a lot he wants to talk about. Chris is here. You know, Chris normally only comes towards the end of the show, so Chris is here early. Willie's here. I mean, man. This is a. Uh, there's obviously a lot to talk about today. I think Timothy's going on. What's that? Do you think something might be going on? Oh, I think a lot of things are going on. But you know, it's kind of funny because yesterday or, or Tuesday when we did the the pre party, you know, the big news was that they were introducing the tag team titles. But man, what an amazing forty eight hours! So much things have changed since then. So much stuff has changed today since the last since the other alliance guys talked. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of funny. I, I'm always worried that the shows might become redundant, right? Because a lot of the topics that they're talking about, we are too. Um, you know, it's obviously a different slant, different take, but it's it's it, we talk about the same stuff. And I'm like, wow, you know, we're gonna sound really redundant from yesterday's episode, which I listened to while I was driving on the way home. But we got different takes on different subjects. This is gonna be a completely different show. Yeah, yeah plus lot. you got more you got more star power with me here. Well, yeah. Tim is paying his dues. Jeremy's paying his dues. Of course, Dave Scooby is is he's already paid his dues. He's there. He's a made man. What? The comments are already coming in. Willie Bowen with the, the first Tyrus joke of the night. Tyrus loves seafood. Every time he sees food, he eats it. Well, that's because he's a walking refrigerator. That's where you put food. <laughs> uh, Devin gives us the compliment of J. Cal, Jaden, and the DKM. Uh, 
Devin also points out that Tyrus versus Murdoch, the guys yesterday didn't want Murdoch versus all those three, so they're not getting it now. And and we'll get into that in a little bit, but I doesn't it kind of feel just even a little bit like maybe Billy said, Oh, you don't want Aldous versus uh versus Murdoch? Fine. Take hold Tyrus my beer. Murdoch. <laughs> yeah, hold my beer. And Sean Mega says NWA is full of dot 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 dot. Yeah, what not do you think? Great that's not wrong. No, he's not. And lastly, Mr. Jackson says, I'm here because of Jaden. Only Jaden. Just kidding. Well, there's no Y in Jaden. I think you've been hanging around with Jay. He likes to put extra letters and names. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Quit, quit treating that like it's a disability. It's not. Maybe if like that's a hybrid between you and me, the transporter made us one person. <laughs> the world's not ready for that. A bald head and a beard? Sounds like I, a... I don't know. I don't know what that sounds like. I have no problem having a beard. I, after three days of not shaving, I have one thicker than yours. According to Chris Drummond, it's an amazing day. It's an interesting day, I'll say that. Uh, Devin Dowling says, I hope not. I wanted to finish the trilogy. I, mean, I think they finished that trilogy at the 73rd. No? Yes, this would have been their fourth matchup. Wouldn't it have been their fifth? They wrestled once early in power. Yeah, you're technically right. That would have been their fifth. Uh, but this would have been the this would have uh, that matchup would have been the only time the title was on the line. The, or excuse me, that first matchup, the title was not on the line. It was just one of those exhibition matches. Willie wants to just point out that uh, Jackson versus Trevor would have been great. Yes. And Devin, and Devin's asking who's going to win these U.S. tag straps. We'll get to all that in a minute. Uh, so let's just talk about it, right? There's the elephant in the room. We all saw the tweet. I got the tweet earlier this morning via uh, a message someone sent me. Actually, it was Rick Del Santo of the Pro Wrestling Zone podcast and said, is this some sort of joke? Now, as somebody who does mostly regularly listen to uh, the uh, – what, what is it uh, – forgot the name of the show all of a sudden the um busted open uh radio on uh on fight serious xm i listened to that uh, pod, uh that show not a podcast it's a show i listened to it most mornings when i'm commuting to work i wasn't commuting to work today so i didn't listen and billy corgan happened to be on the show which is not a normal you know they they on that show regularly promote the National Wrestling Alliance. They have a great relationship with Nick Aldis. Hell, Mickey James is a co-host on the Wednesday show. Uh, they they did a lot to help promote the 73rd anniversary. They had K- uh, Kylan King and uh, and uh, Camille on ahead of their matchup at Always Ready. So they've, they've been a very pro-NWA radio show, which is great. You know, NWA needs as much pub as they can get. But today, when Billy Corgan was on, he was fired up and had a lot to say. And the thing that he said specifically is that Nick Aldis is out as the number one contender and, and he's been replaced by Tyrus. And that was just wild. Uh, you know, for, for anyone who's been following what the NWA has been doing since 2018, 2017, actually, excuse me. Uh, Nick Aldis has been a central figure for the national wrestling Alliance in some shape or form of capacity He's been the guy. And if he wasn't the guy with the title, he was the guy chasing the title. And we saw that up until, you know, just a brief time. We didn't see that. 
was uh, shortly after Murdoch won the belt. And so now, uh, even after yesterday's episode of Power, or Tuesday's episode of Power, where Nick Aldis was, in fact, crowned the number one contender for that title, well, that that's not happening anymore. Uh, Jaden, you work very closely with the uh, with Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators. I'm sure you've sat on a few of their booking meetings. Like, what does that tell you when on television, the show that they just presented to their audience, their paying audience, mind you, uh, that Aldous is the number one contender, and then two days later, he's out. What does that mean to you? Unfortunately, when modern wrestling, it usually means somebody's being a bad authority figure and trying to put themselves over at the expense of their company and trying to be the stars. And is they're basically trying to recreate the McMahon Helmsley era or the, or the Vince McMahon booking style. That's usually, unfortunately, what it means. This time it might not be. Uh, I've looked up a bunch of things. I've asked a few people. The reports I get are kind of conflicting. Um, I was looking at 401 Mania. They were basically saying Aldis was saying we're not happy with the way the NWA booking is and is very vocal about it. And that is the cause of um, this situation where he's no longer in put in a position. It's been suggested to me that he was not happy about not winning the championship back or putting in a situation where he wasn't going to be winning the championship. And it has been said, well, if you don't do what you need to do, we'll just get somebody else to do it. Um, so that could be potentially what is going on. I don't know. Again, it's just people I know suggesting things that they, they've heard around, you know, some people even in some situations who would have some knowledge. Um, I personally think it's interesting. I mean, Tyrus, why Tyrus? You have so many other choices. He's the one I care about the least. I'm probably the only person in this group that thinks I'd rather have Aldous and Tyrus. But that's also <laughs> just like saying I'd rather be kicked in the knee than getting kicked in the balls. So, you know, I don't know. It's We'll see how this plays out, but it, I hope it's just not... Uh, uh, Billy McMahon coming through on, on what's going on right now. DK, what I mean, you, in fact, now have been a part of booking meetings uh, with the IHWE. That This is kind of a big deal. All this has been their guy and has been presented as such for such a long time. Do you think he's being ousted here? Do you think this is part of a storyline? Do you think this is real? I mean, what's happening here? Well, my natural skepticism says this is probably either a storyline or a storyline gone bad. In other words, something that's about something that started as a story but's kind of turned real. Allah, when uh, uh, Brian Pillman got us got us released from WCW and then jumped immediately to WWE, uh, even though. There was a handshake agreement. He was staying with WCW. Uh, look, they've been setting up tensions between Billy and Aldis for a little while now. Well, there's always kind of been background ideas that, you know, there was tension. But, you know, on USA two shows ago, Aldis did that interview where he's saying, you know, he's on USA because he can't get on power because everybody else is 
kissing, you know, Billy's ass and he refuses to and blah, blah, that, this, and then blah, blah, that. And then as uh, we get into the shows later, you know, Billy cuts this very, very angry promo about... Out of character for Billy, by the way, too. Well, it's kind of been where his character's headed, which is almost... You know, it started with like Cardona's, you know, he had come out and, you know, first he was mad at Matt Cardona, then he seemed to be endorsing Matt Cardona, and then, uh, as Jaden said, it's for a guy that one time said he did not want to be an on-screen talent, he's becoming an on-screen talent. And, you know, when the booker becomes on-screen talent, that's normally a bad, bad thing. And so, because then they want to be in storylines, and that seems to be where we're going. He's moving from an authority figure to, uh, you know, just a normal character out there. Although I think he's playing himself. And then, but, you know, it was very angry. And I think it was a response. I think it was a shoot response to a lot of the criticisms he gets. When, when he was talking, how much of that felt like it was directed at us? Well, I'd say a lot of it did because of the way we talk, although I don't think it was... I mean, I'm not... I don't have the ego to think he was talking directly to us. I do. I he was talking to me. <laughs> exactly. He was talking to Jaden. But uh, he wasn't talking to us. He was talking to you, Jay. There's a difference. <laughs> but, I mean... And first of all, I didn't even buy everything he said because he said, you know, NWA's got more momentum now than it has in 30 years, which would have been back to the 90s. But I'd argue that probably when TNA started up, there was bigger and more momentum and more hope on the planet at that time than than now. And it's and I, I mean, I don't know the numbers, but I don't. I mean, you can't show me that the NWA has grown significantly during the time. And even since returning from uh, from the pandemic. So, and they're probably not going to. I mean, and that's not just them. That's any wrestling promotion out there. I think most of them are pretty much stuck where they're at. AEW kind of draws the same number of fans. Goes up, goes down, but if it's really exciting, they can get a million, and otherwise, they can get down to seven hundred thousand or fewer. Uh, Impact is drawing around a hundred thousand. They once drew a million on a regular basis. Uh, SmackDown's floating at the two million to just under. Raw's floating around one hundred seventy, you know, one point seven five million. So, I mean, you can't show me that anybody's really doing that great out there. Uh, ROH went broke during the pandemic. MLW, you know, it's a Court Bauer love thing. So, if he if he didn't love it the way Gary, Gary Sultan had once loved uh, ROH, it would probably be done too. Yeah. And, you know, a lot... You know, I always hear all these people, oh, these things are doing great. You know, people don't realize that ROH was dying a horrible death before they got sold. 
to uh, to Sinclair, and then they were dying a horrible death again when <laughs> Sinclair sold, sold them to uh, Tony. And so, the promotions like the NWA, MLW, and even Impact, they survive more just based on the love of whoever's running them at a given moment than them being successful. But getting back to this whole thing, sorry, I start chasing a rabbit. Uh, <laughs> so Billy does that angry thing, which he starts saying that not only does he control the titles, but he can strip the number one, number one contender from anyone because they may even be more representative of the of the company and you know held to a higher standard, which didn't make sense. And then he started talking about the tournament and how he likes it just being man on man. Although he booked a four way for the final and. He seems to love three-way and four-way matches and everything. Not everything he said made sense. He rambled a, quite a bit. You know anyone like that? Me. Uh, <laughs> and but you know, just booking-wise, not everything he said makes sense. And then how you know, so he's talking about how he can strip people the number one contendership, but why he had to negotiate with uh, Cardona to get get him to vacate the title, and he doesn't give a blank what anybody thinks, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't understand half of what he was talking about, honestly. I, I, I think I, he's been hanging around Tony Khan and enjoying a little uh, white powder or something like that. I don't know. You did say powder, right? Powder. Take it easy. Take enunciate, please. Yeah. White power. Okay. No, I don't. I don't think that'll help either. White powder. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, just I, I don't know where he's at. I don't know what he's thinking. I mean, as soon as that, as soon as that promo was cut. And honestly, I don't know when that promo was cut. Was it cut back at the TV tapings? Or did he call, call Kyle Davis up and say, come meet me here. We're filming a promo. We're going to insert it in this part of the TV thing. Because I don't remember if it was referenced at all on commentary or not. Because I mute the commentary because of who's on it. And I don't... But as soon as that happened, I knew... I. And all this one, I I even posted on Facebook somewhere. I go, well, I go, I'm not sure he'll make it because you know, all this will make it because of Billy's promo. That certainly seems to be setting up the idea of stripping someone of their number one contendership. And those two had already been battling. But I would have thought that would have happened later or something else. The fact that it was the news was broke today before Powers even made it to YouTube. Has kind of surprised me. And so this is one of those things where I don't know, is it bad booking? Did something change and he expedited it? I mean, we, we noted a while back that, you know, Mickey James had gone to trademark... Uh, Empower. Empower, and Nick had gone to trademark something. I don't remember what. And so there's... 
maybe something going on. I, you know, maybe it's real. I tend, I tend to think it's probably more, even if they're going away, even if Nick Aldis is leaving, I tend to think this is probably more of a work than, than not. Maybe it's Memorex if it isn't real. <laughs> Maybe she's worth it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Yeah. Um, we can tell our age right now, ladies and gentlemen. These I think I blew are... that one. I, I think it's maybe she was born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline, but whatever. You guys, oh, yeah. I'm sticking with Parquet. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Do you have any gray poupon? <laughs> okay. Well, now that we've lost the younger audience. Yeah, but those 55-year-olds are popping huge right now. <laughs> hey, you people out in chat, how many of you know what we're referencing? So, anyway. I don't know, Jay. What are your thoughts? I thought you'd never ask. Hey, I think that the world is coming undone. I feel like the sky is falling. I think the boy who cried wolf is literally being eaten by a wolf as we speak. The ascension in the ranks, I believe, is 100% accurate. I feel like everything's falling apart. Everything's unraveling. We're going to get that belt back on Tim Storm and take this thing back to the old school, the territory days. I don't know. I don't know exactly what's happening, but I do feel that uh, we know there's been at least uh, chirping of uh, some uh, at least uh, what's the word I'm looking for? At least some annoyance from the world's the former world champion Nick Aldis and William Patrick Corgan. Uh, it, it's very odd to me that this is happening because Billy Corgan has been the biggest Nick Aldis supporter since day one. I mean, they brought him into Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. They look before he won that title, he was one of the first wrestlers to get signed by the NWA. He's had a fairly you know, if you believe the numbers, I don't I don't have facts in front of me, guys. I'm speculating off of things that I've read and heard that he has a six figure salary with the NWA and had had one during the global pandemic where Nick Aldis was not forced to leave his palatial estate out in Nashville, Tennessee, was able to stay home with his wife and kids and or, or kid, excuse me, and not have to defend the 10 pounds of gold while the pandemic was happening. And the few times he did defend the title, it was because of his own militia, not because the NWA forced him to do that. He was a made man in the NWA. And if you're telling me that William Patrick Corgan has now decided that uh, there's a better route to go, I'm not sure what to think anymore. Well, I, I do want to go back to something. I know, uh, Jaden was saying how he may be the one person that would rather see Aldous uh, instead of uh, Tyrus. And there would be some normal circumstances where I would probably agree with that. But I think one of the I think one of the weaknesses in the NWA right now is that world title and is contenders for it. And I shared this guys with you, this with you guys, and I even shared it with the uh, other uh, other alliance guys, but let's look at this. Since the NWA has returned from the pandemic, the following men have been invited been involved in <laughs> NWA title matches that were put on by the NWA. So this doesn't count when they go defend their title in 
you know, Bob's uh, promotion against uh, local talent number three. <laughs> or even local talent number four. Thank you. You okay there, Jay? We may have to take you out and have your sign. Maybe. Um, all right. So, anyway, Nick Aldis has been involved in six title matches. Aaron Stevens was involved in one. Trevor Murdoch has been involved in seven. And let's note that Trevor Murdoch and Nick Aldis were in three matches total for the title. So, you know, there's that crossover between them. Mike Knox has had two title matches. Matt Cardone has been involved in three title matches. The Pope won. Sam Shaw has been involved in one, which was the four-way. Tom Latimer has been involved in one, which was the four-way. And so it, you can almost discount them to a thing. They were they were just kind of there for fill-ins. But I asked you, and so let's ask the people out there, let's ask Jaden, how, how does Mike Knox have two championship matches and the Pope has one. You actually were, I was thinking that as you were reading that, like why, um, and why isn't the Pope just in this match? Does Billy Corgan have something against the Pope? Is he like not Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously uh, though, why is the Pope, why isn't, I don't know, why isn't Davy Boy Smith Jr., why isn't, I'd rather see a Briscoe in this match. I'd rather see uh, Jerry Briscoe in this match by now at this point. Uh, I don't know. The NWA needs right now is a really, like a whole spring cleaning of contenders and a whole bunch of talent coming in to really push. Because what was it? Terry Funk, I think, said this. If you have a championship, before you can have a championship, you should have eight strong independent contenders for that championship. Meaning if you have eight strong contenders for a world title and then you have a U.S. title, you should have eight strong contenders that aren't the same for the U.S. title. Does NWA have eight strong contenders for any championship with the possible exception of the junior heavyweight? No. And do they have... I think we can make a, a case for the women's division. That's about it. Like the women's world title, and that's about it. Out of NWA wrestlers? Well, okay, so what do you define as an NWA wrestler? Someone they feature on power. Okay. So or power if you don't, USA. Power if you don't if you don't mind, Jaden, let me let me just hijack this segment real quick. Eight strong women competitors that could challenge for the 10 pounds, or excuse me, for the Burke. Excuse me. <laughs> so let's start off with the obvious one. Kylan King, right? That's one. Natalia Markova, that's two. Genocide, that's three. Taya Valkyrie, that's four. Allison Kay, that's five. Max the Impaler, that's six. Oh, maybe only six, because then I like the next one would probably be Kenzie Page. Well, I, 
If you're going to put Allison Kay in there, you might throw Margie Bell in. I don't know. Yeah, okay. if you're going to do that, there is Chelsea Green still. So maybe oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, so okay, then cool. We got to eight with the women's division. But I think that's the exception of the rule. I don't think you can do that with a TV title. I know you can't do it with the national title. And you sure as hell can't do it with the world title, um, which I think is detrimental to like what, you know, echoing what you were saying, Jamie. Well, and we even struggled to get to eight. Women in and, the yeah, how many considered wrong like, contenders? Yeah. <laughs> how many of them do you see beating Camille? That's what I mean. Strong contenders. Just because oh, you have eight wrestlers doesn't mean they're strong contenders. I look. I see. Honestly, I could see. I can make the case for several women of uh, those eight that could beat Camille. I mean, uh, even though it's not been introduced in the NWA, there's kind of a, a feud going between Taya Valkyrie and Camille and XPW. And look, Taya Valkyrie is very talented. I could see her definitely being the uh, women's world champion for the NWA. Max the Impaler could probably match strength and power with Camille. Uh, Kylan King had a great match with Camille that could have really gone either way. Natalia Markova, maybe not genocide, maybe so. Um, but but honestly, would you be surprised if Maxine Paler won the Women's World Championship? Would you be surprised if Chelsea Green became the next Women's World Champion? With I'd those moves? I'd be surprised for Max. Okay. Okay. And, and partly it's because those, those gimmicks don't normally win titles, or and if they do, they certainly don't hold them on. Right now, if you look at who could be a strong world women's champion in the NWA outside of Camille. I think you basically got three. And I think you're looking at uh, Kylie King. I think you're looking at Allison Kay. And I think you're looking at Tyra Valkyrie. I mean, I think you could put, I think any of them, you know, are of the right size strength. I mean, you know, we saw Tyra Valkyrie in the ring with uh, Maxine Paler. <laughs> Max didn't look so over, you know. Overwhelming? Uh, overwhelming in the ring when she was there with her and uh, Envy. I can't remember Envy's first name to save my life. Ella. Ella, Envy. So, but anyway, uh, point being, I, you know, and I also happen to kind of love uh, uh, Taya Valkyrie also. But, I mean, I think you could sit there and go, if Camille said tomorrow I'm going to retire or I'm leaving with Aldis or whatever, I mean, I think you could sit there and go, yeah, we could put the title on any of those three. And then a fourth option being Chelsea Green in the sense that she could certainly – run as a top champion. It's just that she's been beaten so many times by Camille now. I don't know that I want to see her back in the ring with Camille, even if it's to finally win. Yeah, but then go back to my point with all this, and they just, I mean, they really just need a, a clean slate. There is no real contenders. I would love to see them properly push Odinson to maybe something there one day. We start with well, the TV championship and then work his way up, but he's well, not that there. Might be happening. 
Yeah, and I hope it is. I, with Billy Corgan's booking, though, we'll probably break him up into two different smidget wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. That's what's sad. Oh, if he I, could, uh, he would. <laughs> don't, don't get tempt him. You know, he has the power to change number one contenderships. He can change the person into two smaller people. <laughs> this is Odin, and this is his son. Let's go. Yeah. All right, well, we Thor. Lost. We got Odin and Thor. Thor Odinson. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know. I just this is a this is an epidemic of. I almost said a pandemic. It's an epidemic of just bad booking, bad planning, and their taping schedule. <laughs> yeah, and 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 like again. So let's. Let's walk this back just a little bit because we did kind of focus on only part of the conversation here. But if, in fact, Nick Aldis is out of title contention for the first night of uh, the 74th anniversary show, it doesn't mean that he won't be there for the night number two. Maybe somehow he will get an opportunity to become the number one contender. Remember that it's only a few weeks away from the T-Mart promotions presenting the gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina. And that match could certainly have implications where he and Tom Latimer will square off. And perhaps maybe one of those guys can become the the challenger for night number two. Uh, You know, nothing would surprise me. Uh just throwing this out based on what you said, could this be worked into a situation where Tyrus and Aldis wrestle night one and then the winner takes on Murdoch in night two? I mean, that certainly could be a situation too. I mean, if you think about it, Gary Horn is really good at saying this. If you guys listen to Gary Horn on the This Is Pro Wrestling podcast where they cover the NWA as well or on the Discord server, Gary jumps on our on our channel quite a bit. He says, you know, you're all complaining about the story, but you haven't even heard it all yet. You're only hearing the beginning of it. Um, I was very vocal about not wanting an Aldis versus Murdoch match because it's, again, a repeat of last year's anniversary show. And quite honestly, I feel like uh, we can get a we can we, we deserve a break from Nick Aldis at this point. And, uh, you know, the NWA listen to that. The NWA is doing what we asked them to do. Now, maybe I wouldn't have picked Tyrus as that opponent either. But this is a fresh matchup. We haven't had this match before. It does make sense in that Tyrus is one of the top contenders. He's undefeated in the NWA. Excuse me. He's been undefeated since becoming champion in the NWA. He hasn't been beaten. And I I don't know that he's gotten his seventh victory yet, but he's really close. And we we all have to kind of wait and see how this is going to play out too with television. Because, again, we this is based off of just the last episode. What's going to happen next week? Yeah, and you know what? I wouldn't care if this was like a uh, Murdoch defending against Tyrus uh, on power or at one of those tried-and-true events or something like that. Sure. But this is supposed to be a big free-per-view. And uh, it's not big. Either Honestly, either is Aldous and, and Murdoch, but at least there's some history they can draw upon. Uh, it's just not big. Well, it's not something that will sell it to me. And even something to respond to Gary. Uh, look, I'm all for a story, but it's got to. If you want me to go through to the end, you got to keep it interesting. And that's that's a great point too. I mean, th- I mean, this isn't interesting. This is sloppy. 
This doesn't make me go, oh, I can't wait to see what happens. This makes me go, what the uh, blank, because we don't want to be demonetized, uh, is happening. And why should I continue when you make no sense? This story is running the same logic as Fred Rubenstein controversy. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I mean, basically, that's that's where we're at, you know. Controversy sells, so let's create the most controversial, muddied up thing possible. We've known for a long time Billy doesn't do Kiss. Yeah. Well, our pal Jeremy from uh, the other Alliance guys brings up a good point. Does anyone have any idea how long Aldous' contract is up? Well, And the 2022, if I understand. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the speculation, at least that's what we heard last year, is that they picked up the contract uh, at the end of uh, the end of the year. Um, in fact, I think it was picked up in 2020 for a two-year deal, but I, I could be mistaken. I'm not 100% certain of that, but... Uh, yeah, that's that's what I believe is he's got until the end of this year. I think in 2020 they signed a year with a year option. Okay, I know that I know that Thunder Rosa had an option on her contract uh, that Billy passed up on when essentially he let her out of her deal so she'd go to AEW. Yeah, I wonder what he got for that. Uh, using the Hopefully talents I'll. of the power. Hmm. Using the females uh, for the Empower pay-per-view. I think that's what he got for it. Hopefully he got a lot of flack. That's what I hope he got. <laughs> so uh, okay. we all know Empower was Tony Khan's thing. Well, yeah, I mean, was, it wasn't just... The NWA should stop taking credit for it. <laughs> it wasn't uh, just Tony Khan. I mean, we had Impact talent there, too. That's the thing that kind of bothers me about that is Everyone's like, oh, well, Tony Khan, you know, he sent all those ladies there. He sent, what, like four women? Yeah, Total? his C-roster women, too. Not, I mean, yeah, yeah he, he, didn't send, he didn't send the top of the line. He sent his, his talent that's been working out at the Nightmare Factory. He didn't send Britt Baker. Right. No. He didn't send Kushida or Nyla Rose or any of that. Didn't even send Riho. <laughs> but give him his credit because he wants it. And so you didn't hear Impact calling and saying, "Well, we want credit for our girls." No. no now go in, Let's take it in another direction now because we kind of talked about this. Um, what's going to happen? I don't think any of us actually know. Is, is this a work? Is this a shoot? I don't know. Um, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, DP, new to the show, he says, Tyrus, let it be known during an interview on the show that he wasn't interested in the seven-match title shot stipulation. He just wanted to remain champion. Well, that changed, evidently, DP, um, because now he's been thrusted, whether he likes to or not, into that world title picture. Uh, The one thing that, uh, or, or the other direction I wanted to go with this is, because personally, I feel like there's a lot more shoot element to this, uh, than we're than what we were told. I feel like um, perhaps, uh, and perhaps the TV as it lays out in the next few weeks will be a little bit more enlightening to what is going to happen as this all plays out. Because if it, if everything makes sense on TV, then that just tells you that this this was a worked all along. 
And if nothing makes sense, then I think it's going to, we'll, we'll know that it might have been TV. Yeah, if the TV points to it, then we know it was Agatha all along. And then um, we know that this is just another work shoot that they're trying to do to create storyline because they're hoping that this creates interest because nothing in the booking is creating interest in the NWA right now. That could be something, too. All right, so what's the next subject? Getting back to my the story has to be interesting, and so far, shoot or work, it's not. It's more confusing than anything than interesting. Um, all right, so let's as we uh, as, as we navigate these waters of the uh, pro wrestling world. Um, the next thing is, and you know, you kind of mentioned Tony Khan, uh, TK. He did a presser today, and some of the things he said uh, was um, interesting. One of the things that he mentioned is that your uh, Crockett Cup cha- tournament champions, the Briscoes, have signed to Ring of Honor. And not just signed to Ring of Honor, but exclusive to Ring of Honor. Which means now that we can't talk about the Briscoes being a part of an NWA storyline going forward. That they put over uh, La Rebellion uh, uh, at the, uh, well, I guess, did they put them over? Or did he, he Yeah, they put them over at the tapings. Yeah. So we never got that match, though, for the, uh, for the, uh, the rematch that we never we, we, we were speculated on this show that maybe the 74th anniversary we would see La Rebellion versus the Commonwealth Connection or maybe a rematch with uh, excuse me not La Rebellion the Briscoes versus the Commonwealth Connection or a tag team with La Rebellion and, and the Briscoes facing off at the 74th anniversary show those are now not going to happen uh, also advertised for the next Ring of Honor uh, pay-per-view is Allison K uh, should we start speculating on whether Allison K is now uh, officially done with the NWA. Well, she was working ROH uh, before her and Marty Bell uh, came to win the tag team titles. That's one of the reasons why I didn't think they would, is that they were actually both working ROH. And so the question is, is uh, Tony Khan... I mean, I'm guessing he must have a TV deal somewhere in the hat if he's signing people to, you know, agreements. That would be logical. And I don't necessarily know that's word you use with Tony Khan. Well, it's not. That's why I said I'm assuming, not that I know it. But, you know, let's be honest. Anybody who could go work for Tony Khan in either ROH or AEW if they would have a chance to make it past you know, dark and elevation, which, you know, 80% of them don't. Uh, yeah, I would certainly sign an exclusive thing with that. He could probably give me enough work and enough money to, you know, make it worth my while. Yeah. So, so my guess would be, though, for now, until we hear otherwise, she's probably on a uh, per appearance deal. I didn't um, think that they're bringing the six-man title for ROH in. I, I was sure he had dropped it, but he's bringing it in because apparently the only person that likes titles more than uh, <laughs> Billy Corgan 
is is a Tony Khan. I don't know, DK. You like titles a lot. Oh, I like to own and possess them, yes. You know, it's funny because at one point, I remember asking on this show, did AEW need more titles because they had grown such a big roster and had stayed committed to the main, you know, to their top three. And it was just like, do they need something else? And now they got more titles than you can shake a stick at. Well, I look, for a personal standpoint, I'm happy to see my pal Bateman make his return to Ring of Honor. Um, I think, uh, you, you know, that's the thing with this, how this, uh, you know, Tony owning AEW, there's already talks that Colt Cabana will be back in Ring of Honor. Uh, there's talks that a lot of the guys we haven't seen on AEW on a regular basis uh, will be kind of transitioning to Ring of Honor. That means guys like, uh, you know, the wingmen might be transferred to Ring of Honor. I don't really know what's going to happen yet, but I mean, that pay-per-view lineup is looking pretty tight for this Saturday night. I mean, Jonathan Gresham versus Claudio Castagnoli, FTR versus the Briscoes, Samoa Joe J. Lethal, Wheeler Yuta, Daniel Garcia, uh, Mercedes Martinez versus Serena Deeb. I mean, that's not a bad lineup. No, but I wish it would, wouldn't have AEW talent. I think they should keep AEW and Ring of Honor separate. Because honestly, this just this like this sounds like dark elevation honor. Now it's just like their fourth brand of t- way to put themselves. Or I don't know, fifth television show that they're just trying to get on there. It, it's how many toys do you need, Tony Khan? <laughs> All of them. I mean, if they if they NXT'd, so to speak, ROH in the sense that they basically ran it separately. Yeah, little some crossover, but little. You know, maybe send a guy down down to ROH for some stuff, or maybe feature one of the champions on AEW here and there. I'm okay with it. Uh, if they do use it more like they're using Dark and Elevation, where you know you get. 50 matches of two minutes that nobody really cares about, then that would be very, very, very sad. Uh, And I don't, I don't know. I liked ROH uh, pre Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes. I liked ROH in the pandemic settings where they're doing the pure wrestling. Uh, I can't say I'm excited for Tony Khan ROH. He's basically said he's going to be the booker just like he is for AEW, just like Billy is for the NWA. And, you know, let's face it, neither one of them should book. Nope. And so I, you know, you read down the thing, but honestly, the Rick Flair card has me more interested in, in its matches, in its matches, than the ROH uh, card. Uh, and you know, Rick Flair couldn't even wait to the couldn't even wait to the match to start bleeding. <laughs> he's he's had to be beat up and bleeding early. And 
you know, I watched that video and it's funny because my reaction to that video is that he's probably done more to promote his match and his thing than any promoter promoter out there today does with half their top stuff. But it was still a hard thing to watch because nobody wants to see a 73-year-old man get beat up. It what? depends on the 73-year-old man. There's a couple <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing if they smacked around a little bit. But How old is Fred? Fred I do not want to see. I love Fred. <laughs> I know you do. That was... That, that and was he could probably secret. take you, D, uh, Jay. He could probably take you in a minute. Challenge you you outweigh him. You <laughs> outweigh him, but he's uh, he's wiry and really sneaky, and uh, he'd probably pay off the ref. Well, the question well, he, is, what would happen if we tripped him, fell on him? Well, that, let, let's be honest. That's what exactly my game plan would be to anybody is just to trip and fall on him. I've got some weight on me. That's Look, look at this demeanor. Look at this body. You think, oh, he's just a, you know, he's just a, a big daddy. But you know, I, I wrestled, man. I, I got you, bro. We we can do this. Anyways, that is true. you do have a body of a god. I mean, that god is Buddha, but still. I thought you were gonna say Dionysus. Hey, we got Josh Alexander uh, defending his title against Jacob Fatu, and that's an Impact World Title match, and that's almost like a crossover between MLW and Impact. Well, then you got crossover, not almost. Okay, fair enough. Then you got the Briscoes and the Von Erics. Now, technically, the Briscoes were free agents when this match was signed, but now you could say Ring of Honor is now being represented. Uh, and this event happens next week. You know, they could be Ring of Honor tag team champions when this when this tapes, when this airs, I should say. Uh, so the, the Briscoes versus the Von Erics. You've got Laredo Kid versus Taurus versus Ray Phoenix versus Bandito, which you can kind of say is like a AAA influence. You've got an Impact Knockouts title match with Jordan Grace and Deanna Perrazzo and Rachel Ellering, excuse me. Then you've got uh, Harry Smith, who technically is an NWA guy, but, I mean, this is kind of being billed as an MLW match, taking on Killer Cross with Scarlett Boudreaux. You've got Ren Narita versus Clark Connors. I think that match has been changed uh, slightly. I think that – I thought I heard there was an MLW national title match now taking place on the card. And then you were supposed to have the Motor City Machine Guns taking on the Wolves, Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards. But I hear that Davey Richards might be defending his title now on this event. So, you know, always card subject to change. But, I mean, you've got teams from or talents from New Japan Strong, Ring of Honor, Impact, MLW. This might be a more of a uh, forbidden door type pay-per-view than, than what uh, AEW produced. It's definitely more <laughs> forbidden door time. <laughs> and and a lot of it wasn't AEW's fault. There, there yeah. were a lot of lots of injuries that affected that. And that and the bunkhouse, uh the bunkhouse battle royal, which is set to include uh former NWA national champion Anthony Mayweather slash Crimson. And then they're even advertising Bully Ray Dudley for that, who at this point, since he's He's done more in the NWA in the last six months than uh, than our pal Crimson. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call Bully Ray an NWA guy, too. Uh, the Mortons are going to be there. Oh, that's the right. Hey, I don't know if it's me or if it's you, but you look like you just got out of focus, DK. Oh, I thought it was me drinking. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you're <laughs> Oh, never mind. It's back. I'm about to say he never looked better. <laughs> Well, you're not wrong. <laughs> that, that, that's I, how you're I supposed. Don't, to... I don't claim to be beautiful. I let other people say that about me. 
<laughs> I, I, I think you did claim it on the pre-party when we were discussing things, but... No, I claim to be pretty. There's a difference. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, anyways, so there's two there's two pay-per-views that we just talked about that, uh, you know, are, are very exciting. And now let's talk more about the 74th anniversary pay-per-view, which is set to take place uh, the same weekend that Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators are running their uh, next event. Um, I believe that's August. U.S. titles? Do we want to talk about the U.S. titles? We can, we can totally talk about those, but let's let's get there in a second because we have the 74th anniversary show happening August 27th and 28th. And so far, the only two matches that have been announced are Nick Aldis taking on Trevor Murdoch. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Trevor Murdoch taking on Tyrus for the 10 pounds of gold. And then we're also uh, – the other match that has been officially booked, announced, is also Bull Ray – making his in-ring debut for the National Wrestling Alliance in a tables match against the guy that's had more title matches than the Pope, Mike Knox. Is that like oh, an Ace oh, of oh. Eights feud going on? Yes. Very and, and they're supposed to be crowning a new United States Tag Team Championship. I know why this, they're crowning new tag champs, by the way. Why is that? It gives more tag teams for Billy Corgan to break up. <laughs> Somebody you might either they had a, a deep roster of tag teams. Whoever know. told you that was not being entirely honest with themselves. If you look at the NWA as it stands today, again, we'll do the eight team challenge, right? Because that's what we did earlier. Your world tag team champions are the Commonwealth Connection. You could probably say La Rebellion would be the number one contenders, maybe. If not them, the OGK, right? We don't know their status. We don't know if they're back with Ring of Honor or not. Then you can go to the Fixers, right? Then you can go to, uh, you know, I'm not going to say Paro and Odinson because as of right now, there's no sign of Paro. We just have Odinson. So then another tag team would be the Hakari. Uh, then we could say the Ill Begotten, Taylor and uh, Plunkett, right? That's five. Then we could say one one combination of uh, the Sinister Ministers group, whether it be Gags and Sal or Sal and, and uh, Judeus or Judeus and Gags. That's six. Can we? But can we really count them? <laughs> I mean, they've had matches. And then you could say the Southern Gentleman, AJ Kazana and uh, – oh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Anthony Anderson? Something like that, yeah. Anthony Andrews? That's seven. I think it's Anthony Anderson, not to be confused with uh, every other Anderson. Yeah, every other Anderson on the planet. And then, so, so then, give me one more tag team. I'd like to tell you one. I'd like to tell you one strong tag team, La Rebellion. That's it. You, I guess, you could say Marche and and uh, Marche and Jordan Clearwater. And that could be Marche, 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 and and Jordan Clearwater. Okay, right. Except for the except for the fact that we haven't seen Marche, Marche. recently, and I don't really anticipate seeing much of Clearwater while he holds the United Wrestling title. He hasn't wrestled for the NWA since March, at least on television. I mean, when he made the appearance in the backstage interview. Interview was. I almost wondered the same thing as I wondered with Billy, which is, was that filmed back then when the tapings were done, or was that filmed, uh, 
you know, was that film maybe at a later date and time or even an earlier date and time? And they just kind of redid it. All of that tease of something golden had me wondering. Yeah. Question for you, slightly, slightly off subject. I guess way off subject. Um, what happened with Championship Wrestling from Hollywood on for their television broadcast? Okay. With what would happen with KDOC? So that's a great question. And again, we don't ever shy away from the United Wrestling Network on this podcast. We can talk about that for a minute. Uh, so as many of you know, uh, Dave Marquez has been very vocal about uh, becoming unemployed, if you will. Um, his his regular day-to-day job was working for KDOC as a producer. Um, and, well, KDOC was sold uh, recently. Now, KDOC is like a legacy station out here in Southern California. It's been around since as long as I've been a child. And they were more known from showing programming from like the uh, 60s and 70s. And uh, anyways, uh, so what happened was they were bought out. Uh, by a Christian broadcasting station. I don't know which what it's called. I, I'm not really uh, paying too much attention to any of that. Uh, but that essentially put an end to KDOC and its illustrious uh, time here in Orange County, California. They were like the first station to actually represent Orange County, and that's Anaheim. Uh, that's you know where Disneyland and all that good stuff comes from. So uh, with that being gone, that was the first place that the uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood was able to get a TV deal. Uh, initially they were initially when they first started recording the tapings, uh, they were planning to be on a different channel. Uh, basically our CW affiliate uh, out here in California now, but when that fell through KDOC came in for them and they had been on KDOC for the last, I think 13 years. Um, now with all that being said, obviously uh, that is not an option for them anymore, but they've still been broadcasting all across the country. They still are on, I, I believe they're still on Peachtree uh, in, in in the Atlanta, Georgia area, which I think that broadcast goes out into uh, out, out to Canada. Um, I still believe they're, um, that same show is airing in, um, in Florida and in uh, New Orleans uh, and a few other places. So I, I, I don't believe that they that they're completely off the air, but you could still catch the show on their YouTube channel, which is not the United wrestling network YouTube channel, but actually the Memphis, uh, the sister promotion to the United wrestling network that that's still, it's still available on that program. You can go check out their weekly show. It will not change. And I talked to Dave myself and he had mentioned that uh, they don't have a new, a new channel yet. And I don't know when that will happen. I don't, um, you know, it's kind of very competitive out here in Southern California. There's not a lot of local broadcasting. So we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe they maybe they uh, do some sort of deal similar to what uh, the NWA has with Fight, doing an all-access that would include like the primetime live pay-per-views and, and all the other content that the, uh, the United Wrestling Network has been putting out. But as of right now, that's kind of just where it is. And uh, it, it sucks because there's, they did have a local following and uh, they did have pretty decent numbers here locally. Um, but also at the same time, like, you, you can't control that. Yeah. That happened very similar here in, uh, well, close to me in Philadelphia, we had a station channel 48 uh, and it was bought by the Christian broadcast network, CBN. And now it's, it's, um, 
I don't know what to say that won't get you kicked off of television, off of uh, YouTube, but it's religious broadcasting, obviously. You know, uh, I get to find out that the wind of God can blow away coronavirus and everything, but. Um, yeah, interesting. It's an interesting uh, transition, but that station used to have about 15 wrestling promotions running out of it. Even the WWE used to have their shows, their their D-level shows on there, too. Well, uh, so I hope the, it does happen when they get it on somewhere. Yeah, and I, I honestly think they will. Um, our pal Jeremy says he'd pay money to watch the UWN on fight. Um, you know, I, like, I, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. I'm not trying to get too uh, philosophical here about things, but, you know, them being on KDOC for the United Wrestling Network, they've been on that station for 13 years and still never really uh, were able to take that next step. And, uh, you know, I don't know what that next step is. I don't know if they're going to become a bigger company because of this or or be regu- regulated to just like a YouTube show. But I feel like this is going to force opportunity for them. They still have a great sponsorship deal with uh, with uh, Car Pros. Um, I, st- I know that they Car- I know that they have. Go, go ahead. Car Shield. Car Excuse Shield. Me, Car Shield. You are correct. I know they have a great relationship with the uh, venue that they're taping at, uh, the improv. Uh, you know, that, that's kind of a cool thing. I don't know if this is true for all improvs, but the one in Irvine is usually closed Tuesday nights. So when that's closed on a Tuesday night, that means that they're not making any money, but they still pay rent. When they bring in the United Wrestling Network to do their show, not only are they uh, filling up a capacity crowd, you know, their cooks are cooking. The waiters are waiting and, uh, you know, they're making money. So I think it's a win-win deal for both the improv and uh, championship wrestling. So I think it's a a good deal. But, um, yeah, uh, I know that they had some sponsors there. I know they had a few TV executives there. Who knows? uh, I haven't heard anything official yet. and I doubt Dave will tell me until after the, the ink is already dry. So we'll have to just sit back and wait. I don't like to wait. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> one, time I, one time I asked Dave about what was going on with something, and he says, geez, Jay Cal, don't, why do you always want the spoilers? And I said, because I'm an impatient uh, consumer, and I, I deserve them. I want them. Uh, Unless they're Star- a Marvel movie. Yeah, I don't want those. Don't give me those. Or Star Wars. Star Wars. Who watched the, uh, the Obi-Wan series? I did. Almost. All right, we won't spoil it, but I will spoil you too that um, that Darth Vader is Luke's father. What the hell? I didn't see that coming. Anyway, so wait, you hear? Wait, you hear about Leia being his sister? What? Wait, they made out though. <laughs> Mona Wong Leia a, is Luke's sister. <laughs> For those who remember ECW. <laughs> So I was thinking the other day, if I could bring back any title in the entire world, I'd bring back the NWA U.S. tag title because I have an NWA national tag or national heavyweight champion. And why would I want to bring back the national tag tag titles, which you know you could link to teams like the Road Warriors and Superstar and Super Destroyer and the Armstrongs and. What what territory were the national titles 
presented at? Like, was that a was that Georgia championship? Georgia. So, because Billy has this weird fascination, right, where he enjoys Jim Crockett era NWA, but he also enjoys Georgia Championship Wrestling, and you'll like you see it, right? Like the the national title was basically the North American Championship, right? No, it's the US. United States. Oh, excuse me, the United States. And I remember hearing that the reason why they went with that design is because that's the design that Billy wanted, but they called it national because somebody, uh, because uh, SmackDown had the U.S. championship and they didn't want it to be confusing a name. Well, what I heard from behind the scenes through some belt makers was that Billy had originally pitched a U.S. title. He was going to retire the national and retire the North American title, and he wanted to bring back the U.S. title. And that was the design he was basically wanting to go with, was that style of belt, the old cast belt. And uh, I think if just WWE had a U.S. belt, he wouldn't have cared. But about the same time, IWGP came out with their U.S. title. Right. And at that point, some people behind the scenes talked him into just redoing the national. And so he used the U.S. belt with the with the national name. Except for heavyweight is spelled correctly on this. <laughs> and he was asked. He was asked if he wanted the misspelling. And he, and he, and he turned it down, huh? He turned it down. For those who don't know, they had the G and the H backwards on the belt. On the original. On the original U.S. belt. That's and because said, Jay designed it originally. And, and it well, said you know. U.S. heavyweight champion. It didn't say United States. But anyway. Uh, so and I, I would have, for consistency's sake, brought back the national championship, just the national tag team champions. And I actually think you had some good teams that you could link back to that, especially the Road Warriors. And uh, I don't know, it'd be interesting. It's yeah, but now you, could, now you could link back Brian Pillman and the Z Man, <laughs> or hey. Greg Valentine and Terry Taylor. Uh, what about Firebreaker Chip? And who cares who the other guy was? I did. I barely remember Firebreaker Chip. Todd Champion, and I'm sad that I know that. I see I'm glad that you know that. That was WCW time and I was a big fan of the uh the what do they call the WCW oh god like special forces or something like that. The WCW Patriots, right when the Patriot about six or seven months after the Patriots debuted in Global. Oh really? Yeah. I didn't know that. All right. Well, okay, so yeah, they bring bringing back uh, a title that had a history that, uh, that spanned, you know, this very long time, you know, six years. And the tag teams that they can recognize, of course, are, you know, Ivan Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev. Did I say that right? I can never say that name right. How do you yeah, say I can it? get it right, and I'm, I'm surprised you didn't throw an end in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah well, we are impressed. Nice. Um, and then, I mean, other tag teams, like, of course, like the Midnight Express held them. Uh, you know the 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 uh, variation of the Freebirds that gets the least amount of love. Uh, Jimmy Garvin and Michael P.S. Hayes. The Steiner brothers held them. 
Um, the Fantastics, you know, the Smoking Gun slash the Wild Out Southern Pistols. Boys. Yeah. Young Pistols. Yeah, Young Pistols, yeah. Sorry. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting, like, there's some pretty good tag teams in there, but again, we're talking about the lineage of a title that lasted all of about, uh, you know, six years. And when you look at the, you know, when you look at the, uh, what am I trying to say here? When you look at the tag teams that were associated with that title, uh, a lot of them were makeshift, like Ron's, Ron Simmons and, and Big Josh, a.k.a. Matt Bourne. Like, it just didn't seem like it made a whole lot of sense for some of those tag teams, right? No, you know, uh, in fact, several of the early champions were more makeshift. Uh, Barry Windham and Ron Garvin, Eddie Gilbert and and Scott Rick Steiner, even though that kind of made sense because they were part of the uh, Hot Stuff International. Yeah. Dick Murdoch and Ivan Koloff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then the Fantastics. The varsity, well, the, the, the varsity club, although they were a faction, were more thrown together than not. Well, and then the last tag team to hold the titles were Dick Slater and the Barbarian. They they're, they're the ones that beat the Freebirds for the titles, but then they they never even defended them as a tag team because uh, the Barbarian ended up leaving the company, and they put Dick Slater versus Greg Valentine as the last title defense. That was uh, back in June uh, twenty sixth, nineteen ninety two. That was it. The Barbarian didn't leave the company. They started pushing him as a singles wrestler. My bad. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing was, because this was back in the day where, you know, you taped whatever day, and it could be two to three weeks later before uh, before the titles ever changed hands. And so what had happened was, after they had won the belts in real life, but before it was shown on TV, they announced that they were deactivating the titles. Uh, that was Bill Watts. And uh, so Dick Slater and the bar had, had to come out and basically say, well, we know the titles are going away, but it would be a great honor to be the last champions. Okay. Terry Taylor and Greg Valentine. That's kind of scary, isn't it? They were a very good tag team. Give them credit, though. They were they worked very well together. There was controversy at the time because Greg Valentine just jumped from the WWE to WCW, and they were putting there were controversy in the in the smart community because they're pushing a WWE guy right off of television. I, I can't imagine any other promotion doing that. None ever do that. <laughs> that never happens. You know, sorry, uh, WWF. The the interesting thing here is that uh, with those titles, and part of why they're deactivated, and part of why it doesn't make sense for them to come back at this time, people forget that when Jim Crockett had fifty thousand million titles, he had. A shows, he had B shows, and he occasionally had C shows. Sure. And so, you know, you needed titles to feature, to be defended, even on the C shows, out in the, <laughs> you know, outdrawing 
you know, a thousand fans, the, the small thousand fan shows, you know. There was a time he had not only that, but he was also running the UWF as a, as a, a territory. Oh, yeah. And he, well, tried to, he tried to run central states as a territory. Yeah, that was that too. Let me ask you guys this, because in 92, 91, we had that split, right, where the the NWA titles at the time started being referred to as just the WCW titles. And we had that WCW championship, that lineage continue. And then in 92, they had that tournament to crown new NWA tag team champions while they simultaneously had the WCW tag team titles. Now, this is all, all around that 92 era. Like, they retired the United States tag team titles uh, in early like January, and then they brought in the WCW tag, t- or excuse me, the uh, NWA tag titles when Williams and Terry Gordy won that tournament, uh, defeating Barry Windham and Dusty Rhodes, uh, Dustin Rhodes in the finals. And that was in July of '92. Now, do you think they retired the U.S. tag titles to bring in the uh, no. to, to recreate the NWA tag titles, or it had nothing to do with it? Had nothing to do with it. There was already an agreement in line to bring back the NWA, and Bill Watts didn't want anything to do with it, which is why he immediately put it on Doc and Gordy to make the difference completely moot. The NWA championship was already working with New Japan, so that was kind of their deal with an association with WCW. But the tag titles they didn't care about, and Doc and Gordy weren't working for New Japan at the time, and he didn't want to create how these extra championships. He didn't like the fact that they even had the NWA championships at the time. So that was only to basically fulfill an agreement that it was already made. Okay. Well, supposedly so, it's not so much that he was against the NWA titles. He didn't want them to be separate. He was like, I don't care if you go back to calling our championships the NWA championships. But he didn't want to go through this dual champion thing, which, like Jaden said, was one of the reasons the tag team titles were never, ever separated. And it's part of the reason why some people don't consider them board control titles at that point. Well, then, but then in 93, when, uh, when, Jim Crockett, fin- or excuse me, WCW, Ted Turner's WCW finally leaves the NWA um, in 93. You know, Anderson and Roma were still called the Unified Tag Team Champions, and those titles basically became vacant until Dallas. The uh, Oddly enough, Jim Crockett promotions would crown the Rock and Roll Express as uh, tag team champions under the Dallas, NWA Dallas banner. And then... Although they, he was no longer officially a part of the NWA, <laughs> and then and then they declared them vacant again when they got crowned in Japan with I believe that was the Yume Factory, uh, yeah, or no IWA Japan, excuse me, IWA Japan. So yeah, very historic uh, tenured titles, um, but yeah, so the U.S. Tag Titles are coming back. Who do you guys see as being potential champions? Do you put those on the second best tag team on the roster, or are we going to treat them like a a, a second tier title and put them on the um, you know on a team like uh, Taylor and uh, Plunkett? I think they'll be treated like the TV title. 
I think the Ugly Ducklings just need to say they never lost the United States Tag Team titles in the NWA and that they should just bring them in straight up outright. Well, the last uh, the last NWA uh, United States Tag Team Champions were uh, were still kind of connected to NWA Smoky Mountain, um, and I do yeah. believe it was uh, I, I want to say it was uh, Sigmund and um, oh god the Heat Seekers I can't remember the other guy's name. Uh, no, but even then, the Ugly like, Ducklings that's who the last champions were. They defeated the Sigmund and his partner. Since you don't know his name, you can't give the poor guy credit. But then you, but, you say his name, please. Elliot. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> of course, DK knows it. <laughs> I love it. Elliot Russell. Yes, you got it. You did good. I'm proud of you. Yeah, but he looked it up. Yes, I did. So I knew the ugly ducklings were the last champs. <laughs> Uh, so, that name actually sounds familiar. Rob Killjoy and Lance Lude. Oh my gosh, kill me now. Uh, Killjoy and Lude, something like that. Yeah. And I think actually, if I'm not mistaken, I actually think Colby Carino was associated with him. Yeah, he was actually for a short time. And then the interesting thing is uh, the, the last, uh, the current innovative uh, U.S. Tag Team Champions, which were formerly the NWA U.S. Tag Team Champions, are Kerry uh, Carino and J.C. something or other, and they're still technically credited as Tag Team Champions. So, I mean, <laughs> the U.S. titles never really left, guys. Kerry Morton's got it. But yeah, they should put them on the fixtures. I agree with Dave Scooby. You think he'll buy those belts? Oh, I'm sure they'll find somebody to let them borrow them. Because that's the one thing I was wondering. It's like, it's like, what do you bring in for the United States tag belts? I mean, there was, a, there was only one Mid-Atlantic version of the belts. Of course, there were several other U.S. tag belts throughout history. Florida had them. Yeah. Interesting factoid of useless information. What's Florida that? had the United States Tag Team titles. Uh, Jim Crockett had the National Tag Team titles. And uh, World Class had the American Tag Team titles. And they all went vacant in like January, February of 86. And they all stayed vacant for like 8 to 10 months. Is this the belt that you uh, would like to see the NWA bring back as the tag titles? I mean, I'd be fine with it. I'm just uh, that's a Parks uh, Milliken belt, and you know, uh, Parks is dead. And Milliken doesn't have a good reputation, <laughs> so it's just I was just wondering. I go, do you do you bring them back? Do you get bootlegs? I mean, you know, do you use another design? What do you do? I'm just curious. Does Lance Erickson still has have his? <laughs> well, I mean, look, there's uh hopefully they get something decent, and I'm not talking about you know something they found out of the trash or something like 
uh, e even if it's not the old traditional design. Uh, I just don't want to see something like junk that they could potentially use. You know, I, I want it to be a good looking belt. Um, but with that being said, uh, our official predictions right now, who do you think is going to become the U.S. Tag Team Champions? Uh, Jaden has already said the fixers. DK, who you got? I'll say the ill-begotten. I want the fixtures. It's probably going to end up being Gags the Gimp and Sal. Uh, Sal Renaro, yeah. Well, if it's a Lifetime Achievement Award, I think Sal Renaro is the guy you give it to. But with a close runner-up, I think uh, Jeremiah Plunkett is the other guy that uh, has been a long-term NWA fixture. Both those guys, you know, like I I'm not advocating for um, Sal and Gags, but uh, both those guys have tenure with the – you know, previous administration. So it'd be kind of neat to see them with those belts, but uh, I'm going to have to side with DKM here. As much as I love the fixers, I honestly want to see the fixers become credible world title challengers. So I think right now, JP and AT, Alex Taylor, Jeremiah Plunkett, I think that's the way to go. The ill begotten. Plus they've got Danny deals in their corner. So who knows what chicanery he can come up with. Did you even mention the fixers when you were mentioning contenders for the world tag belts? Uh, yeah, I did. They were like Did my number forget? three or four. I, I look. I know this sounds kind of stupid, but I'm a big fixers guy. I think that they get over very, very well, and I think that they can be everything that some of us wanted. Uh, you know, the Dawsons to be. They're big. They're goofy. They get over with the crowd, um, but they're actually pretty decent in the ring too. Wrecking Ball Ligurski surprises the hell out of me. A guy that size can move as well as he does in the ring, and then I've always really liked Jay Bradley. Uh, dating back to his days when he used to wrestle Pro Wrestling Gorilla and the uh, early NWA USA shows, excuse me, New Japan USA shows when he used to be um, out here in Southern California. Bradley has always been somebody who I've been impressed by. And I think this this current version of Jay Bradley is bitter enough and uh, grizzled enough that he and he and Ligurski, I think, make a really good tag team. Um, I think that they should be in serious contention for the world tag titles. I wish they were used a little more consistently, though. Yeah, yeah be I nice. agree. And booked I agree. more consistently. Agreed. So they kind of go back and forth between being these mercenaries, you know, out for hire by the bad guys to goofy cereal eaters that <laughs> bushwhackers that the kids love, you know. And it's like, and I don't even necessarily care which one they, which direction they would pick. But I wish they would pick a direction with them. And well, so know. far they've only been used by Colby Carino as that fixer type's problem. I think it would be very well, interesting. Gotten used them once. Oh, you you are right. Yes, you are correct. Rush Rush Freeman specifically used them. But like, how cool would it be if Nick Aldis ended up using them in some sort of former capacity, trying to get back at the NWA, trying to get back at the Cardona family? Maybe, or what if maybe he hires them to beat up Tyrus? There you go. Somebody call my mama. Make that happen. Jeez. Oh, Can we get into NWA USA? Because I kind of almost watched it. Yeah, we'll get into that right now. Uh, James H. Jackson says his vote is for the Rude Dudes. Janie Stanley and Sam uh, Rudo. Uh, still around? Well, we know Jamie Stanley is. We haven't seen Sam around for a while. But, you know, the big pay-per-views, he seems to find a way to be there. Uh, but yeah, let's let's talk about the show. Let me pull up my notes here because I had to close my computer down here for a second. 
but yeah, uh, so NWA USA, Jaden, you watched it. Why? Kind of. Because uh, Brett Titus was on it, and I wanted to see if they were going to screw him over. And then I realized it was a three-way, and I was for sure thought they were going to screw him over. Well, let's talk and, about that. And? Well, let's talk about that. So NWA USA Season 3, Episode 5 kicks off with Matt Vine, Rhett Titus, and the lovemaking Gustavo uh, are in the ring. Now, I look at this I look at this match on the surface. Matt Vine doesn't look like a junior heavyweight. Now, I know he is, but he just looks so much bigger than the other two guys. Um, I'm glad to see that they're, they're, they're treating the junior heavyweights in a serious way. Uh, Gustavo gets over quick. Um, he, he looks really good in this match, and it's a shame that I see a guy like Gustavo, and I wonder, like, you know, if maybe Gags the Gimp was just given a regular gimmick, maybe – matches between Gustavo and the person that's under that hood would have some solid wrestling matches in the NWA. Anyways, uh, we do see a lot of, a lot of wrestling, a lot of back and forth. Rhett Titus does get that victory. And after the post-match celebration, he, he's showing that ring of honor type style of respect to Gustavo. Uh, Matt Vine, who early in the card would not shake Rhett Titus's hand, wasn't there to shake his hand on the way out. Uh, you know, Jade, you watched this match. That's your guy, Rhett Titus. I know you're your boys. What did you think about this one? Um, I don't think Matt Vine should have been a junior heavyweight. He has a good look and some good talent. Doesn't wrestle like a junior heavyweight. I don't think this match needed to be a three-way dance. Or, I'm sorry, a, uh, three, a, a three-way match. Yeah. Um, I, I'm glad Rhett won. He was the right man. I think Matt Vine has some potential. Maybe they should move him to a different division. Maybe find him a real partner, make him a tag team, or make him maybe a contender for the TV championship. I liked him a lot. I think Rhett should be featured as much as possible on the NWA. He's an extremely talented, extremely charismatic guy and has some name value and has some star presence. A lot of wrestlers in the NWA can't say any of that. Um... I'm glad he won, and the Gustavo, I think if if Wet would have faced either of them in a singles match, or maybe both over time in the singles matches, I would have liked it better. But he was entertaining, and he was athletic, and he did some good stuff. He's got the shindy vibe sometimes, but uh, if he can control his lesser instincts, I think that he could be something valuable to the NWA, too. DK? DK? Ah, beat you to it. He did. Uh, well, of course, you know what I think about triple threats. You love them. Absolutely. And so I was kind of like Jaden. I was kind of wondering how they were going to screw uh, Titus over in this. And so I was happy with the outcome. I was happy that Titus won. Again, I probably would have rather just seen a one-on-one. Uh, I probably didn't like guacamole as much as you guys did. <laughs> and uh, certainly not as much as Jay does. And uh, yeah, avocado still sucks, Jay. So I, I don't know. In a match with junior heavyweights, he looked like a lightweight. Yeah, no, he he Salernaro gags. They all are obviously smaller than your, and even Colby. To an extent, we're all much smaller than your the junior heavyweights like uh, 
you know, uh, homicide and Rhett Titus. Um, but it just, I, you know, I feel like their junior heavyweight is more or less an open weight for anyone under 200 pounds. And they just throw, they stack it in there. Yeah. One, 180. Yeah. I mean, this guy looked like, you know, 145. Sure. I agree. And so, uh, you know, my thing with Rhett Titus, I don't know whether I'd rather see him go after the junior heavyweight title or after the TV title once, you know, Tyrus is cleared out of the TV championship. I will say this, the NWA may have a lot of titles, but for it's real hard to count the TV championship at this point because it's just basically on Tyrus. It's more of a any, belt buckle nowadays. Yeah, you know, than any help of actually, hope of it actually doing anything. So, hey, I just want you guys to know that you have recruited yet a third member to your anti-avocado club. Wrestling with the MMA, Jeremy of the other Alliance guys is siding with you that avocados are horrible. You know, I really like that guy. I think he's really a smart and intelligent. Oh, he's had. Maybe we can promote him up to the Alliance guys and move Jay to the other Alliance guys. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, fourth three-way, it wasn't horrible. I didn't like Wakamole guy, and uh, I was glad Titus won. Okay. Uh, so that takes us to the next uh, next segment. We have May in the back, and I'm wondering here, and you guys, you know, Jaden, you might not be able to speak to this, but the folks in the chat might agree or disagree. DKM, you might know. Does it feel like May Valentine's kind of going heel here? Like, a couple of weeks ago, she was praising Tyrus, right? Like, nobody's ever praised Tyrus the way that May has. I mean, she even called the man handsome for crying out loud. This week, uh, she goes to interview Cardona family members VSK and Chelsea Green. Says, hey, VSK, sorry your title uh, title match with Homicide didn't go the way you wanted to. Hey, Chelsea Green, hands her the mic. Let's talk about you and your potential uh, shot at, uh, at uh, Camille. It completely just ignored VSK and the rest of the interview. I mean, that's basically what I would do if I was in that situation, but I, I felt that was kind of weird for the announcer to do it. DK, what did you think about this? I was just ha- glad I didn't have to listen to VSK. <laughs> uh, uh, May's always been a little eccentric in how she interviews and stuff like that. and She's developing her own character, which or Billy's developing a character for her. I don't always particularly I didn't like her love story with Aaron Stevens and I didn't like her praising Tyrus, but then that being said, I wouldn't like anybody praising Tyrus. <laughs> so, I don't know. It. I was happy not to hear from uh, <laughs> uh, from VSK. And actually, I enjoyed I can't say I'm looking forward to the title match at this moment anymore, but I at least enjoy Chelsea Green's promo. Okay. I have a question, and this is for the chat, too. Is May Valentine actually over as an announcer? Like, I don't know. I I understand English is not her second language or her first language or her third language, probably, the way she does it. Um, I just don't – I don't get – what's going on there. It doesn't feel professional for a television broadcast for me. I don't know. Is it just me or is it because I have television background experience or is, 
May Valentine an integral part of the show and like a positive, or is she just there for whatever reason she was put there? I think originally, I originally I did not like May Valentine when she first came in. I found her boring and I didn't want to listen to her or whatever. And then she hit a stride as the backstage announcer where she tended to ask questions that were more like what the fans were thinking. And she tended to say things that were more like the fans were thinking. And she had a big, big period of popularity there. It kind of started going down for her when they involved her with that uh, Markova and, you know, that kind of, they got catty with each other. We see that later in the show, too. Yeah. And now that they're kind of here in these weird situations where she's ready to run off to Brazil with, uh, where she's ready to run off to Brazil with Aaron Stevens and she's putting over Tyros and, those are kind of head scratchers. Although I did liked it when she was interviewing Christy James, they started talking Portuguese and she's like, Oh, he left. I I did get a giggle out of that. So, you know, Hey, let's be honest. The main reason she's there is because of the picture she posts in her, uh, you know, Instagram. So I'm not entirely sure why she's on the show. I think she does a pretty good job of like, she helps direct the narrative. And like DK said, she's usually has a, a moment where she asks the question that maybe the fan would ask, like, Hey, when are you going to defend that national title to Chris Adonis who had not defended the national title? Um, but in this, like, I don't know if they're trying to make her a heel announcer. I don't think announcers need to be face or heel. I think they should just, uh, just be an announcer, just be a, a promo person or, backstage interview, whatever. I, I don't think they need any qualifiers or any uh, additional adjectives on top of that. They should just be doing a job, which is helping to promote a storyline, pushing the narrative, etc. So it was weird to me to see this moment. And as Dave Scooby points out that uh, May is a friend of Billy. So that's probably why she's in the role she's in. Yeah, you know, um, I find myself pretty much throughout the entire programming not understanding why certain people are on the programming and I May Valentine's is one of them to me. I just I think there's much better options out there. Are um, Valentine lost an idol two more? Very much so. And at this point Galley is uh even starting to not impress me. I think he's being brought down more than trying to bring the other two up. There might be some truth to that. Um so, all right, let's get to the next segment then. Uh, after that, we get Stanley's drill. Now, I'm just going to skip to the end of this. Stanley walks away and says, this is Bush League. And that is exactly what I thought of this. Uh, there's no reason to even talk about it. If you guys have anything you want to say, go right ahead. But It sucked. But yeah, that's yeah. about as much as I'd say. Next. Bush League, garbage shit. Uh, next thing we get is a backstage uh, segment where the mother of – quote-unquote NWA superstar Casey Rocks is in the ring kind of kind of uh like looks like he's he's going through with some moves with uh uh Mr. uh 
Aaron Stevens. Now, I know recently Aaron Stevens had visited a wrestling school and was helping to kind of train people, uh, not not really training them, but helping them work on their technique and stuff. So this is outside of the realm for Aaron Stevens to be in the ring with working with people. Uh, but then it's just this, the segment gets weirder and weirder. You get G's and Tyrus walking in. And the whole time Jesus is saying, see, man, he's talking about you, Tyrus. He's talking about you. And it doesn't really explain what he's saying. And, and you can see that Rocks has not made any kind of comment towards Tyrus or G's. And uh, Tyrus gets in the ring, starts talking shit about Rocks. Sorry, I don't have a better way of saying it. Choke slams him and then proceeds to leave the ring. Then Rox's mom runs in the ring, shoves G's down, and which is kind of funny because Rox's mom was bigger than G's. And, uh, and and then she starts yelling at Stevens for not helping her son. And then Steven gets offended because she doesn't want to know who Stevens is. And just a weird, I don't know, who booked this shit? Uh, I'll give you one guess. <laughs> I know who, look, I know who booked it. I'm just famously quoting a friend of the show, Adam Pierce. When I see stuff that just doesn't make any damn sense. Wonder how many times he says that while he's on SmackDown. Uh, probably every, every time he's not on the screen. And then real quick, uh, our, our friends in the chat uh, uh, said that Galley is running with the wrong crowd. Uh, Wrestling with MMA said that. Uh, Willie Bowen says, you can only praise Tyrus at a pie-eating contest. And uh, Jeremy says, no, you can't even give him praise for that. I mean, at least he has a very unfair advantage with that. Did you guys want to talk anything more about this segment? Can we move on? Yeah, please move on. All right. So the next thing we get is the uh, backstage promo with uh, Genocide and May. Now, here's something else that we talk about continuity all the time with this program. First of all, I don't feel like USA is doing enough to feel different from power or vice versa. It just feels like they're still like merged together. We lost uh we lost uh Jane there. Uh, but in this particular no. segment in this particular segment, you have genocide, who I'm all for seeing genocide on my TV. I think she's great. Her promos are getting better, but this was just kind of uh kind of a nothing segment. She alludes to Markova having a number one contendership, which we haven't been told that on the program on power, on USA, uh, on the interwebs. Nothing has said that Markova has a number one contendership. And Genocide says she keeps slithering into getting these title shots. Again, none of this stuff was, uh, was, was, has been announced or, or even brought to our attention. So this is all kind of inside info here. Um, but she still wants to be women's world champion. Uh, DK, what did you think of this segment? And uh, if Jaden jumps back on, he can tell us what he thought of the segment. I didn't think anything of the segment. Um, can I be honest? There wasn't yeah. anything that happened not in the ring on USA that I cared about. I mean, absolutely nothing. Nothing got me interested. Nothing made me want to see anything. Nothing made me go, oh, you know, oh boy, or man, that's really doing a lot to build up this. Everything just left me going, why did I have to sit through this? 
Yeah, I tend to agree with DK on that one. Um, out of everything that was on, it was the best promo, but that's like saying they're like <laughs> the guy in prison. Uh, I don't know. It's I, I like the action in the ring. Let's go back to that. And we will, because next up we get Luke Hawks versus Colby Carino. Now, again, we still remember Hawks was fired up from Always Ready when Colby and the Fixers uh, crashed the PJ versus Homicide match for the junior heavyweight title. A lot of uh, a lot of roughage happened that time. Even even so far as Homicide to thank Ricky and Kerry Wharton for getting involved, uh, it didn't do enough to help PJ. Uh, when they were getting beaten up by the fixers, PJ and Luke. So Luke has been mad at everybody. He's been talking about how mad he is. and Even PJ says that his dad's mad. Uh, so we get a very fired up Luke Hawks. And honestly, that's the only way to have a Luke Hawks. Uh, a gentle, kind Luke Hawks is less entertaining. Um, the match starts off pretty, uh, pretty like fire for Luke. He's, he's just beating the hell out of Colby. We, and I've rarely seen a match in the NWA where Colby Carino looks outclassed for the first few minutes of this match. He looked outclassed. Hawks was treating him like an enhancement talent. Uh, but then the match eventually gets a little bit more competitive. Colby Carino wins the match uh, with a loaded fist and then hitting that finishing move of his. I think they call it the – I don't even know what they call that move. Um, Sunsetter. We'll say it again? Sunsetter. The sunsetter. There you go. Um, no, with imagine- no in. <laughs> Clever. Uh, it was a pretty good match. Um, we, like I said, I've never seen Colby treated that way in an NWA ring. So it was kind of uh, an interesting dynamic. And it's very rare that we see Luke Hawk take a loss. Uh, Jane, you know, I know you don't typically watch the show. So tell me what you thought about this one. I've always liked Luke Hawks. I go back to when it was Ultra Boy Luke on NWA Wildside. Definitely yeah. put on a lot of muscle since those days. Oh, wow. um, and Colby Carino, uh, I get some slack, I think, even from you guys, but I thought the match was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it. That they both looked really good. I agree that it, first Colby Carino was uh, on his heels getting his ass whooped, but um, he came back and he's a heel. He cheated to win. That makes sense. Even though I wasn't even sure that uh, Luke Hawks wasn't the heel, also, you know, but that's NWA booking for you, I guess. And then, and then he's on the show heels, so there you go. Exactly. Was he wearing heels? No. DK, okay. what did you think of the match? Uh, I thought it was for the match. I thought it was good. I mean, I thought both wrestlers looked good. I didn't even have a problem with the finish, although. This is one of those things, even going back to the old school days, I have issues when someone repeatedly pulls something out of their trunks to hit somebody. It's like yeah. nobody ever watched, the referees never watched, and, you know, and sit there and go, oh, you know, we need to keep an eye for this. It, it's kind of like that blind ignorance thing. That <laughs> even in the old days, at least they would do is they would do it a couple times and the ref would check the trunks and they would pull something out of his boots instead. Right, you know, that type of thing. And that, I mean, that would at least be entertaining. I'd be all right with that. Right, or even like, you know, Abdul the Butcher who would hide his spike under his arm and then hide it, you know, in his boot and then hide it in his trunks or whatever. You know, there there are different ways, but it's just, you know, with Colby, it's just always the same, basically. But uh, I think 
what I might have been a little bit disappointed in is I wish there would have been some kind of afterbirth with this particular match. Uh, whether PJ coming out or something, because it just, to me, it felt flat. Felt flat. Oh, Colby cheats, Colby wins. Bye. Well, wait a minute. I thought this was like a big deal. I thought this was a big thing. I thought this was what we were waiting on. Yeah, it, 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 it kind of felt like this could have been a pay-per-view match for the 74th. Instead, we got it, you know, right there on, on USA. It wasn't even on power. It was on USA. Yeah, and then it was just over. Yeah, Colby cheats. He wins. Bye. Uh, and I'm, I not saying they won't, I'm not saying they won't do something with it, but you never get that chance to kind of here at the end continue that story. Again, I'm not following the NWA like you guys are, but I know the USA is kind of their B show. Yeah, and I've, now the it always feature the junior heavyweights. Does that mean they're B show talent? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really nice. I mean, they're good matches. They're better than probably what's on power half the time, but still, at least what I've seen this week, I don't know if it's consistent. But um, it does make the talent seem less if that's like being on winning on Elevation Dark or the old Jacked or Shotgun Saturday Night in the WWE. Does it really matter? You won on that. I mean, television is television, true, but. Well, uh, so that's the end of USA. Um, again, they kind of like uh, like DK said, it just kind of ended, kind of uh, not really abruptly, but just like with unceremoniously flat. There you go. Uh, but then uh, we go to this week's uh, NWA Power Season Nine, Episode Six, where uh, and I do appreciate this. And I, uh, the other Alliance guys pointed this out on their show that I guess this was a Billy decree that each episode now was going to kick off with the action already in the ring. And I, I love that. I think that's the best way to open up the show. I don't want to hear the announcers talking. I just want action. And they did it on USA. They did it on power last week. We get it again this week. Uh, the action already uh, getting ready to start. We have the non bind Let me try that again. The non-binary nightmare half of the women's tag team champions and the international belt collector, uh, where Loka, did I say that right? Uh, in the ring, this is uh, Ella Envy starts off by just talking trash to both Taya and Maxine Paler saying things like I'm the champion. You don't belong in the ring with me. It was great because it was very disrespectful. And Ella Envy seems like one of these very, uh, spoiled brats type uh, personality, She's going to say everything to rub you the wrong way. And uh, I think she does that character very, very well. Um, but that backfires on her when Taya and the Impaler start working together to punish Envy. Um, and this isn't Envy's first time in the ring with Max the Impaler. They've, they've faced off before. However, the unique pairing of Taya and Max just abuse Ella Envy. Kind of makes me think that this might be an interesting tag team if the NWA decides to go this way with Max the Impaler and Taya Valkyrie. Um, but once removed from the equation, Max and Taya go on to battle each other. Max is starting to remind me of a female version of Big Bad Vader. Um, she just gets in there. She starts mauling people in the corner. She grunts when she's punching them. Uh, it very much gave me that Vader vibes. 
Uh, Envy keeps screaming she's a champion and doesn't deserve the way she's being treated. Taya and Max, uh, I think they would have a great singles match. I kind of want to see, I, I want to see them fight each other, and then I want to see them team with each other. Uh, at one point, Envy's able to take Taya Valkyrie out with a backstabber, then proceeds to be terrorized by Max the Impaler. Envy somehow is able to dispatch uh, Max the Impaler by throwing them into a steel, a steel ring pull. Um, and then Envy's reward is Taya just beating her down. Uh, this match was a lot of fun, uh, but ends when Max returns to the ring to use the spear to neutralize Taya, and then hits her welcome to the wasteland on Envy for the one, two, three. Uh, for a triple threat match, I know DK, you're not a, a, a real fan of uh, Maxine Taylor. I guess I'm having mic issues. That's yeah, you are having mic issues, but um, I do have to go. I do apologize, but my phone is starting to get into the red right now, so I should probably plug it in and charge it. But uh, you say Maxine Paler reminds you of Big Van Vader. She reminds me more of Mantar. But I'm going to get going on that, Mark. So have a good rest of the show, guys. Come back and see us again. <laughs> All right. So as for this match in particular... As I see my NWA belt in the background. Uh, you know, don't like three ways. Was kind of interested how Mac, Max wasn't as big. Okay. Okay. Uh, I did find it interesting that Max didn't look as big as she normally does, as both the LMB and Tyre Valkyrie are also uh, well-built individuals. So, you know, for a three-way, it wasn't bad. I enjoyed watching them beat up LMB. LMB does have that, you know, kind of slappable demeanor. <laughs> Hey, I can hear you again. Yeah. Uh, that slappable demeanor. And so, you know, watching her get beat up, I mean, that's, that was fun. That was, that's what you wanted to see. You wanted to see Ella Envy get beat up by the, by the other two. If I wasn't a married man, I would want to date Ella Envy. That's my kind of woman right there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Let me message Michelle real quick. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> there, Michelle. Don't let Jay near Alami. Anyway, uh, I take Taya, by the way, but her husband almost scares me. Taya is a great pick, too. You know who Taya reminds me of? And I, I showed this to my wife once, and she's a huge Gwen Stefani fan from No Doubt and all the other stuff Gwen Stefani does. I'm like, Taya Valkyrie, to me, looks just like Gwen Stefani. My wife's like, no way, no way, but... I, I, honestly, someone go get a picture of Gwen Stefani and compare it to Taya Valkyrie, and their faces, just their faces, are very similar. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think people won't see things like that, obviously, because uh, Stefani's as skinny as a pencil. And yeah. Taya isn't. And Taya's more my type of build type person. 
And uh, same thing. Uh, but just to the thing, I don't know that I had a problem with Max winning. I would have rather it been Taya, but I don't really have a problem with it being Max. But I don't know that Max does well without somebody. It's kind of hard hard to buy her without a manager or something like that sometimes. You don't just – and I guess we'll talk about the interview later. But Careful what you wish for. Why, are you going to go become her new manager? No, I just uh, – what we saw later with uh, Maxine Paler, uh, things get a little, a little weird there and uh, not in the best way possible. Uh, sorry guys about the audio. Uh, I obviously had to switch out there. Something's going on with my phone and, uh, you couldn't hear me, but now I'm on the tablet. So the picture quality might be diminished, but at least I sound good, which is good for the audio. Um, okay. So bringing that around, uh, when we go back to the, the results of the show, um, you know, I'm still with you and I would like to see Chelsea green, and Max the Impaler as the tag team, like uh, the perfect uh, uh, odd couple pairing. And I think that would make a lot of sense because the NWA certainly needs more women tag teams if that that tag division is going to be competitive. I mean, you see what's going on in the WWE where their women's tag team division is almost non-existent at this point. On all rosters, it's just not really working. And then you got rid of both titles. Yeah. And and, and the one title has only been around since (laughs) – what earlier this year? Yeah, and even their NXT brand seems like to the the women's titles in the trash. And, and then you look at uh, Impact, and I'll Impact Taya Valkyrie and uh, oh, I can't remember her name. Uh, the the lady that paints her face. Um, they, I mean, they have a pretty good thing there, but of course, yeah, that's Rosemary. Impact. What's that? Yeah, Rosemary. Thank you. They have a pretty good thing there, but that doesn't translate for the NWA. And, and so that uh, in order to have more women tag teams, I think it would be great to do that odd couple with Chelsea and Max. Um, but that might be in jeopardy now because uh, after the brief rundown of the card from the announcers, uh, we see Max the Impaler with Kyle Davis. And before anything is really spoken, Max takes the microphone guard off of the microphone and sniffs it and then holds on to it. And this whole situation seems very awkward and uh, a little unpleasant for our pal Kyle Davis, only to be greeted by Father James Mitchell. And nothing is spoken and nothing happens. They just walk off and that's, and then the intro kicks in. What did you think of that segment? Do you think that uh, Miss, uh, excuse me, Max the Impaler might uh, join the uh, mercilessly faithful or whatever it's called? Miserably faithful, I think. Miserably, whatever. They're miserable. Awful, awful miserable. name, awful group. And I'm miserable anytime I have to watch it. So my answer would be, I hope not, but probably. I mean, I'll be honest. I kind of blocked that out from my memory. I remember her up there with Kyle Davis not talking, and I remember her removing the microphone cover and everything. I was waiting for her to eat it. <laughs> I and, thought she was too. And so it was just one of those... I don't know what the deal is, what's going on, but... I preferred what she did to the microphone more than what I preferred uh, Gags doing to the microphone. 
You know, I'm pretty sure I blocked that out too. Let's <laughs> let's leave it that way. And uh, so, yeah, it's bad because the odd couple tag team was good, and if they put her with, you know, James Mitchell, Sinister Minister. Bob's your uncle. I don't know. I just don't see things being good because none of the stuff that he's been involved with yet has been good. So, and if it is good, it won't be because of him. And, and well, you know what? The, the interesting thing about that is, I remember Father Mitchell managing Mortis in WCW and thinking, "Hey, this is fun. This is a great silly gimmick. It's like a it's it's got a purpose." Mortis had a decent push. Uh, you know, it was a fun time. I, I don't know what they're trying to do with the Sinister Minister uh, managing these guys. Like, we, we don't see, like, there's no, these guys aren't benefiting from being under his tutelage, right? They're not winning when he's out there. They, they lose when he's out there. And, like, if you gave, let, let's say you do end up putting gags in the junior heavyweight division and he wins the title because of the sinister minister that'd be the first time sinister minister did anything in the nwa uh you know james mitchell has done zero to make his teams his his talent better and it's just i don't know like if you're gonna have a manager maybe put him with people who are actually gonna win matches and make it seem like they're doing something worthy of being there because as of right now it just i don't get it doesn't do anything for me and it, Everyone on his roster is garbage. I mean, Gags keeps winning, but I don't think they're going to seriously put a title on him. Oh, God, I hope not. So that brings us to another very exciting match, and that's the original Kingdom versus La Rebellion. La Rebellion coming out with Damien Seis of WCW fame, part of that Lucha invasion back in the early uh, mid-'90s. That really brought me back into pro wrestling. I don't know if I ever told that story, but I was basically done with pro wrestling in my uh, formative high school years. I got tired of watching the same old stuff in the WWE. And when WCW brought in the junior heavyweights, the cruiserweights, if you will, the Rey Mysterios, the Chris Benoit, the Chris Jericho's, the Super Callos, that was my favorite because of his name, uh, Ciclope and Damien and Eddie Guerrero, and, uh, of course, the stars from Japan. That cruiserweight division was something remarkable. And so I always have a, a, a soft spot in my heart from the luchadores that were a part of that invasion of WCW, the LWO, if you will. Um, so seeing Damien in the NWA today as it stands, even though he's probably not going to be in the ring wrestling, it was cool to see him out there in support of his son and, uh, and Mecha Wolf. And so that was kind of neat to see them there. Of course, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett are two of the most underutilized guys on the roster. I'm not sure where they're going to stand now that Ring of Honor is starting to sign people to exclusive contracts. If they sign with uh, with Ring of Honor an exclusive deal, that pretty much means we won't see them in the NWA going forward. But as of right now, uh, they're here. And they put on a heck of a match with uh, Mecha Wolf and Bastia uh, the start of the match is very clinic-esque from Taven and Bennett. They focus on quick tags. They're focusing on working over the arm of Mecha Wolf. Um, 
Damien proves to be good at creating distractions, uh, preventing the referee from, uh, you know, just missing some things. Uh, eventually, we get the Beastia in the ring, and the match continues to just start get, getting really wild. It starts off with uh, with uh, Bennett, I think, is thrown out to this outside of the ring. Then Beastia dives outside. Then Matt Taven dives on Beastia. Then Mecha Wolf dives on him. And now all four men are outside of the ring. And it's uh, it's getting chaotic. Jared Fritz keeps counting. Uh, at one point, you had uh, Mecha Wolf and Bennett knock each other down with forearm shots. And then you have Taven and Beastia knock each other down with uh, with right cross leg kicks. And now both men, all men, all four men are down. And the, uh, Jared Fritz, the referee, is getting closer to that count. Uh, surprisingly, they all get in right before uh, the end of the count. And then the match really gets out of control. Uh, Fritz loses all control of the match. They're just everything's going wild. They're just fighting. A lot of fun, but not a lot of uh, organization, that's for sure. Um, Fritz ends up throwing out the match when he just can't get control of it. DK, what was your thoughts on this one? Uh, mixed. I enjoyed the match for the most part. I enjoyed the tag team uh, look and every uh, moves and everything. Uh, I liked the original Kingdom, so that was it was good to see them. I was glad they didn't lose. Uh, not sure I was happy for the double disqualification, especially right after they almost had a double count out. Uh, that was another one of those examples of what are you guys doing sometimes? Because yeah. they were out of the ring for like 30 seconds, a minute. And then, you know, I hear the referee count. And I go, well, I guess it's going to be a double count out. And I hear go three, I'm like, three. I'm like, what the? And then I go, well, I guess they're still going for the double count out. And then it's like, nine. And they're like all looking at him like, oh, I suppose we should get back into the ring, shouldn't we? Oh, yes. I, it does seem that way, doesn't it? Come, let us hurry. And then, you know, let's get in the ring, pound each other, and the match still go nowhere. So you guys may remember. A while back, when Law Rebellion had the rematch for the World Tag Team titles, I pointed out I was disappointed because I thought somebody would be there or something would happen. And what I was referring to is there had already been pictures of uh, Damien 666, and so I was expecting him to show up, like, at the end of that match. You know, and get out of the ring, and there'd be a beat down there, and you know, which, by the way, his miss looks terrible. Doesn't go, doesn't have much color or anything. And just, uh, but that being said, you know, I was, that's what I was expecting. So then I was surprised when almost without any fanfare, he just comes walking out one of them. Although he did his role, he did his role well uh, in the match and after, but I don't know. I was I was mixed because of the ending. I was mixed because of how they used uh, Damien. I was just, you know, the match was good, but it could have been better. The booking could have been better. 
and Damien should have been out after the World Tag Team match, where he could have made it, where it would have been impact, where he comes out of nowhere, and people are going, what's going on? Wait a minute, who is it? And the announcers are screaming, it's Damien666, and he's spraying Doug Williams with his mist, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, things, things that make you excited don't seem to happen in the NWA. I mean, we, I mean, we could spend all day talking about that. Let's just keep moving on. <laughs> um, we are past the two hour mark. So uh, this is overtime now for us. Uh, next up, we have the lovely and vivacious Taryn Terrell with Natalia Markova and Mae Valentine. Uh, wow. <laughs> I thought my computer was going to melt from all the hotness. Uh, Markova uh, talks about having a number one contender spot, but it's on hold because she hasn't been medically cleared to wrestle, which Taryn Terrell says she's got a concussion. I, I just love everything that this woman does. <laughs> she is so so good on the camera. She's very funny. Uh, I know she's supposed to be vapid and kind of like an airhead. She plays the role perfectly. Um, she should be managing Ella Envy and Kenzie Page. Uh, but this was a lot of fun with her and Markova going back and Markova saying, I, I am a better model than you. I'm a better actress than you. And Taryn's like, come on. Now we know you have a concussion. Stuff like that just makes me laugh. Um, May, again, seemed a little just heelish on this. Uh, definitely seemed to be siding with Taryn Terrell, uh, at least in this promo. But uh, again, silly. Am I taking this serious? Am I? Am I? Is this investing me in a pay per view? Absolutely not. Is a good way to spend a minute or two. Hundred percent. What do you think of this, DK? I found it funny that they already have dissension between Taryn Terrell and. <laughs> Which I mean, I guess in the real world that would happen with two personalities like that. Yeah. Uh, Taryn Terrell is the best character they have in the NWA. Just, just, uh, I adore the character. It, it, it's so different than her, like, uh, social media presence. Yeah. If, for, if any of you follow her on social media, especially like Instagram, you know, she's typically like sweats and wears big, thick black room glasses and, and I had to you stop. Know, on on uh, Instagram because it just ruined the uh, <laughs> ruined the vision. Yeah, you know, and you know she's there with her kids and talking about being a mother and everything like that. And then you <laughs> you get to power and she's just woo <laughs> makes me Ric Flair there for a while. A, a, she's a lot of woman. Oh yeah, and a lot of times with her outfits, you know it. Yes, and uh, but anyway. We can stop being sexist now and say that uh not sexist, misogynistic. Either way, we can stop <laughs> we can stop being both of them. Uh yeah, it was it was fun for what it was. It probably helped that it wasn't part of, you know, fifty interviews, backstage segments in a row. I if this was like the last thing, I probably would have gone, you know, like like if this had been on USA and put in the last section i probably wouldn't have liked it as much but yeah i get you know, that for this, for this it was fine and 
I guess they are going to have to face Killian King again since she's the gatekeeper if Markova's the number one contender. I, don't, I, I imagine don't. that's the match that they're going to be building to for sure. Um, but as it relates to furthering what happened on the show, uh, we get May in the back again. This time she's with the uh, reunited uh, Idol family, uh, Scion and uh, Austin Idol. And this is kind of a another segment that is just a little on the weird side. Austin says, and he's being very respectful of his son when he says, "Listen, I will. I if you listen to me, I can help get you there. But you have to listen. If you want to listen to me, I will get you to that national title." Um, he says, "You know, you you can get there, but you'll get there easier with me." Which I thought this was you know, kind of like uh, placating Scion. And it's weird. Like we all know that they knew way back when that they were related. What's changed? Why are they just on good terms now that now that we know that they're related because idol knew and Scion knew, why is this such a weird thing now? Like, why is it like they're, they're best buddies? Uh, idol says that the relationship that he and Scion has, has never been better. Um, and just again keeps promising him that they'll be uh he'll be the next national champion if he listens to him. Uh Sion basically says uh you know that he hated him watching him on TV growing up. Um he he's they have a good relationship now, but it's gonna be great when he wins the national title. Uh you know, it's not like Sion has the best record when it comes to winning titles. He was supposed to be the TV champion failed to deliver. Now that you're going to go up against Jack Dane, the Dane event, the man who's held every single prominent title in the National Wrestling Alliance, I don't think that's an easy path for Scion. Uh, and, and again, this just was a weird promo. Uh, what did you think about it? Yeah, I think he summed it up. It's weird. I mean, I, don't, I know we're running short on time, and I don't really have a lot to add to it. Yeah. Uh, Neither one of them's particularly over with me, so. Yeah, same. All right, well, then let's go to the next little bit of magic here, and that pun was intended. We get Jake Dumas, the magician, with CJ versus Eric Jackson. Now, this is – CJ's another uh, a little bit of sunshine for me. I, I enjoy her, um, and I think – I still think that they can do something with Dumas to make him interesting. I just don't think they found it yet. Uh, you might remember Jackson from the guy who got uh, his trunk popped several times by Jack Stane. Um, it's just never uh, – at this point, I don't know why he's just not exclusive to the junior heavyweight division. Uh, he looks small compared to everybody. Everybody. Put him in the room with Gustavo. I bet they would have a great match, and it would be very entertaining. But he just he just gets beaten up by these bigger guys. Um, Dumas and CJ do not seem to be on the same page. Uh, but Jackson, uh, similarly to Dane is just getting wrecked. Um, you know, the, the, at this point too, though, CJ does a couple of things, right. Uh, in how she presents, uh, presents ma- magic Jake Dumas. Uh, he gets the win and then like proceeds to blind Eric Jackson with a, with a, with a, one of the cards out of his deck. And uh, he was impressed with how CJ was on top of it towards the end. Like, they're finally on the same page. Uh, the match itself was what ex- what it needed to be, just a little enhancement match to get uh, 
Dumas another victory. What did you think of this one? Well, first of all, kind of worried about what type of movies you watch that, you know, that Jack Spain pops his trunk on several times. Hey, now. Anyway. That's all happened in the ring, brother. All right. Just saying. Uh, any assault, any attack on my praise for Jack Stane is a slap in the face of Jack Stane himself. Watch your mouth. He's a lot closer to Fort Worth than he is to to uh, Riverside, Southern California. All duck. Anyway, uh, <laughs> now look, Jake Tomas. I feel like the guy has talent. I feel like he's being misused. I feel he's a stunning Steve Austin. Oh, hey, that's a nice, uh, okay. You know, I feel like he's a, you know, I've said this before. It, you know, the, there's stunning Steve Austin, there's Rocky Maivia, and then there's who they become and who they have potential with. And I saw some of that even with Cody Rhodes. There was Cody Rhodes in WWE and then Cody Rhodes once he got outside WWE. And then, unfortunately, Cody Rhodes in AEW, which was a very sad version of him. And uh, I, I think Jake is someone who you could build into being, you know, a serious contender in the national title ranks. I mean, I, certainly the TV title ranks, probably the national title ranks. But, I mean, things like the card across the eyes at the end, which is really more across the nose, and you close your eyes and... You know, this idea that he's somehow blaming these people for life. Uh, again, Eric Jackson probably misused uh, by being a small guy going against a much larger guy. Yeah. Uh, don't need that. So, uh, yeah, that sums it up for me. What happened next? So then that takes us to uh, Billy Corgan in the pack. And now this is the most impassioned Billy Corgan I think we've ever seen on the show. Uh, in fact, I wasn't prepared for this Billy Corgan as he came out and 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 basically said, uh, hold on a second, sorry about that. Um, sorry, just fixing my phone here real quick. Sorry. He came out and basically told the fans and specifically the boys in the back that he won't take any more of their flack, uh, that any number one contender could be dismissed for any reason. He even says that the number one contender should represent the company better than the champion himself because the number one contender is the hopes and dreams of what the uh, of the promotion is or something like that. Um, and basically he has carte blanche to just mess anything up he wants to. Uh, and he isn't afraid to tell the viewing audience that he doesn't give a fuck if you don't like what he's doing. Now, on the surface, on the surface, it just seems like he's, uh, you know, he's planning. It seems like he's trying to hush the audience that has been speaking ill of him, specifically a guy like, you know, me or DK or Jaden or, well, the, the boys on the this is the uh, other Alliance Guys podcast. Uh, it just seemed like it was um, a call to action against people who might have negative things to say about him. Uh, but little did we know 24 hours later, 48 hours later, uh, this was directed directly at Nick Aldis. And uh, 
it kind of, I'm not trying to take a moral victory here because I've always had nice things to say about Nick Aldis, but uh, politicking in the back and, and politicking in the front and everything else, uh, just a weird, weird moment for the NWA. Uh, certainly uh, pulling the shroud of kayfabe, uh, you know, exposing it for all to see. DK, what did you think of this moment? It was weird. Yeah. Billy Corgan's kind of been moving towards this heel version probably since he said something about signing Matt Cardona. You know, because like I said, first he was like just real, oh, Matt Cardona, he's trying to say he's going to save the NWA and he doesn't need to be saved. I've, you know, blah, blah, whatever. (laughs) You know, then it was kind of like, well, I've signed them. And then all the way till, I mean, if you remember, he was out there at the end when Murdoch won the title and he didn't even look happy. No. Which was interesting because, like, well, then who did you want to win? Because there's nobody representing the Cardona family. <laughs> and so it was just like, I go, well, who did you want to win? Apparently, you don't like Aldous. So, I mean, were you hoping it was Sam Shaw? Were you hoping it was Latimer? I mean, what were you hoping for? Yeah. It's not like you're knocking down doors to give those guys title shots. So, I mean, you know, inconsistent, inconsistent booking continues. And but he seems to be turning to this heel thing. Now, you know, you said impassioned. I said earlier, I go angry. I mean, to me, he just came across as being angry. I mean, both uh, are accurate. And I, I think, and I think in a way, because of some of the things he did say and point out, I go, I think I was kind of a legitimate angry. I mean, like he, he he's not faking it. He's actually kind of mad that people don't like what he does. <laughs> and uh, as soon as he said he had the ability to dismiss the number one contender, I knew that was going to come into play. And uh, skipping over uh, the Otison thing and Carino interview for a second to go to the actual fatal four-way, as soon as Nick Aldis won, I thought I'd go, well... I really hate the idea of that match. I go, but with what Billy said, I go, I suppose it's possible he won't make it, especially with what Aldous had said. I go, I can see the two of them getting into an argument or whatever. So so everything seemed to be built as a work. So the only thing that's thrown like a monkey wrench and is it a work, is it a shoot, is it a work shoot, is it a shoot worked, well, you know, what's going on here? is that Billy made the announcement like before, you know, like I said, I, 48 hours after it happened, nothing really happened. He just said, oh, well, Billy, you moron. You're the one that booked him in the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> Did you think bringing Tim Storm back and setting him up, that that was going to take care of it? I mean, if you didn't want him to be part of it, just don't book him in the match. I mean, don't tell me how I can do anything I want, but I have to negotiate here and I can strip the number one contender and I have and because 
he's a politicking jackass, but I'm the one that put him in to begin with because I want to see this tournament man on man, which is why they are going to have the final in a four way. And I mean, in your entire promo, you explain why we don't like your booking. So, you know, hire somebody, you jackass. <laughs> and I think the, 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 the final punctuation on this whole thing is he doesn't care if you don't like it. He doesn't care if I like it. He doesn't give a fuck was his exact quote. And uh, that's pretty powerful to say to your paid audience. And the, yeah. the, the, the wildest thing to me in all of this is that, you know, I don't know how many people – are watching the YouTube stream versus the fight stream. I know that obviously they're making more money off of the fight deal than they are with YouTube advertising dollars. But I would have to say that, man, did you just totally shit can that entire show? Like, why would I even watch it now? You know, Nick, Nick Aldis was announced the winner. Everyone knew he won. People were already talking about it online. You, you already had the graphic made that was, presented on on uh, Twitter and on Facebook, and within 48 hours, boom, you've got a new graphic, a new number one contender, all based on an appearance on Busted Open, which, you know, again, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people who watch the NWA that also listen to Busted Open Radio, but not 100% of that audience is watching the NWA, and not 100% of the NWA is listening to that show. So you're making – movements and actions out of one universe in another universe and you expect your audience to keep up it's just a lot man and for you to say fuck you to your audience because that's what he did he, he literally oh. said he doesn't give a fuck about what you think and then shit can the next episode and i'm sorry for my language tonight but i'm kind of fired up because I've been supporting this NWA since 2017, but you know, DK, you know that we collectively have been supporting this NWA going back as far as at least 2003, maybe even for you, even longer than that. And we were, what, what year? 81. Okay. I mean, I could go back to 86 too, but I mean, like I've literally been blogging about this product, this brand. Uh, since 2004, I was a part of that message board going back to 2002. So these relationships you and I have and Jane, like this goes back a long time that we've been celebrating the NWA. And I feel like this is one time that, man, what are we celebrating? A petulant owner who gets mad because it's it's it, politicking, that he's the one that's created that kind of environment. Hell, Nick Aldis has been on a plane flying to Germany today, right? He tweeted something about uh, after uh, after the announcement. He tweeted like, ha, 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 but then jumped on a plane to go to Germany. So he's not even out there really able to say anything, to do interviews about it. He won't be on Busted Open tomorrow to answer for this. It seems really like a, a cheap shot. It seems like a screw job. And, and the worst thing about all of this is now you have me defending Aldis, somebody I really don't like as a human being. So with all that being said, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm interesting to see how this will play out. I, I think this is real, man. I don't think this is a work. I think it's a shoot. I think, uh, you know, I'm hoping to be proven wrong. We'll see how things lay out on TV over the next few weeks uh, leading up to the 74th anniversary show. But this was a, one of those moments that really just makes me question why I'm even still a fan of the show. Well, I mean, it's definitely, it, it is at the very least a work shoot. Yeah. I mean, I, 
you know, when Billy's saying he doesn't, you know, give a fuck, I mean, he does, he means it, but, you know, the thing is, that's, you know, where I turn around and go, well, Billy, what the hell are you wanting? Momentum? Where's your momentum? I mean, you know, you make a claim, now back it up, share some stuff with me. He talked about, you know, the NWA hasn't had this kind of momentum momentum in 30 years you and i both pointed out before the show started that impact had more momentum uh while it was associated with the nwa than the nwa currently has and i would even say as far as dave marquez doing arena shows small arena shows but arena shows in atlanta in in houston in las vegas in phoenix uh in in uh you know in Kissimmee, Florida, his his smaller arena shows had a bigger audience than what we would see in you know at at, at where at the uh, any of the venues that I've been at for the NWA, and that includes Georgia Public Broadcasting and the Nashville uh, Fairgrounds. I mean, there was at most maybe five hundred people there. I sat in Las Vegas, Nevada, at the New Orleans Arena, right? The same, excuse me, the Orleans Arena, the same place that Ring of Honor used to run. And there was like easily fifteen hundred people there, and, and probably more. And then, of course, they didn't fill the building, but there was a hell of a lot more people for that event, that show, than I've ever seen at an NWA show. Well, so I mean, again, he can't even do TV tapings that aren't right next to his pay per view. Yeah, um, and now I don't even know why. It's not even like. He's doing his pay-per-views in different locations and then going back to Tennessee to do his tapings. And so, you know, I understand, obviously, it's cheaper to bring guys in for three days and send them home than bring them in three times, you know, whatever. But, you know, maybe you make smarter decisions about who you bring in and who you have and, you know, have smarter decisions about what type of matches you put on your shows and stuff like that. And, you know, hire a real booker and, you know, do some. You know, it's funny. Every time he adds a title, I keep thinking back to, you know, Dave Lagana, who had one of the biggest chips on his shoulder of anybody I ever, hey, we switched, of anybody I ever knew. And his, he hated the idea of having lots of titles. I mean, just... You know, he'd always make fun of, like, having the Missouri-Italian junior <laughs> heavyweight, you know. Yeah. Whatever, you know, championship. And it's just like, I go, I don't think we want you to go that far. But, uh, you know, at least have, like, tag team titles or junior heavyweight title or whatever. And, and he was so opposed to that. By the he, way, Scooby... Uh, in the audience, who is also part of the other lines guys, poses a question. I know Trevor can go, but how long will Tyrus last in the match? I don't think the match will be very long. Um, it'll probably be 10 minutes at the most. It'll probably be a lot of rest holds and a lot of just, uh, you know, uh, what, what's the term we use? Hoss fight. Um, it'll be a slow motion hoss fight. I don't think you're going to see a lot out of Tyrus. But with that being said, you know, Contrary to what Jaden said, I'm actually kind of happy to see something else, someone else, anybody else in this matchup uh, besides Nick Aldis. And and that's again, I'm not trying to to kick all this out of the NWA or anything like that, you know. But I, I just want to see some fresh matchups, and I think 
I finally feel like they've they're listening to me. You know, I finally feel like they're we're being heard. So um, let's wrap up this the rest of power so we can wrap up this show because we're approaching that two and a half hour mark. Uh, in the back, we get May Valentine with Odinson and Colby Carino. And May is just downright disrespectful by asking Odinson if he has any chance of beating Tyrus. I also understand why Odinson had really never spoken on the mic before. Uh, then May asked why Colby is obsessed with Kerry Morton. Again, this segment just felt very weird and like a heel turn for May Valentine. And with everything else that happened from a Saturday show and today's show, uh, she just doesn't seem like the same person. Uh, what did you think of this segment? Uh, Otison needs to get some bass in his voice. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like the interview segments may or whoever even are just going well. Yeah. I, mean, I don't feel like they're, they're not doing anything to make me interested in what they're trying to promote. I don't even know what Colby's trying to promote at the moment, other than I, you know, uh, just he doesn't like Kerry Morton. Kerry Morton's getting the title shot, so I mean, I suppose there'll be some story there, but not even necessarily. Right. And, uh, yeah, with Otison, it's just kind of like I go, well, we all want Otison to win the title. We all want Mims to win the <laughs> Yeah. So I go, I guess we will see what happens. But uh, I don't know. I mean, there's they're not doing anything. Their interviews and their promos right now are not doing anything to sell to sell me on the matches. And of course, their announced crew is so incredibly bad. especially when it's velvet in austin that i can't take it anymore and i have to mute them yeah i don't even know what they're putting over or if they're putting anything over because if i there was one time i would unmute every now and again and it was idle ranting about something and then if it wasn't idle ranting it was velvet telling him shut up or (laughs) and i mean it was just like mute again wait a couple minutes unmute mute again i mean just you know billy fuck you (laughs) (laughs) this shit and you know if i didn't have fun doing these um i mean the only pleasure i get out of the nwa now is being able to do this show yeah and this isn't uh this isn't a case of, you know, we're not playing characters here. Nope. You know, a lot of people accuse Jim Cornette of being a character, and I don't believe he is at all. And I'm certainly not being a character here. And I know, I mean, we have private conversations all throughout the week, and we say all the same things. Sounds just like this show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And so, and I'm going to wrap up my thoughts on this whole thing so that we can get out of here. Yeah, let's do that. But, you know, look, the sad thing is, I'm not even convinced we're going to see Murdoch versus Tyrus. 
<laughs> because they are so screwy with their thing. Like I said, we might end up seeing Tyrus versus uh uh we might end up seeing Tyrus versus Aldous on night one of the fifty three with the winner going to face fifty four. Or fifty four, excuse or seventy seventy four. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that man. Was, that was like 20 years ago. So, yeah, 74. So, we might see, you know, we might see that. Maybe Otison will win the TV title on night one, and they'll put him in the match with with uh, Murdoch. Or, I mean, God knows what may happen between now and then and what the actual match may be. So, yeah. I can't even get excited or not excited over the world title because I have no idea what they're freaking doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's making me so upset. I'm going to cough for three weeks ago. <laughs> so that's my thoughts on the whole show. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I'm with you. Okay. Uh, the, the show was a lot of the wrestling was good. And that four way was, was entertaining. It wasn't uh uh, again, I, I I still don't know how you can do this without the Pope being in the main event. But uh, okay, the Brian Meyer uh, Mike Knox pairing, uh, kind of dismantling what was used to be strictly business, was entertaining. And then uh, Aldis being wily and cunning to get out of it and, and actually score the victory, uh, it was done well. The wrestling on the show is good, but the storyline it just has me scratching my head. And again, you know, the, if this is a shoot which I think it is. I, I genuinely believe it's a shoot. Like, wow, let's see what happens next. And if it's a work, man, what are you trying to do? What, what, like this, this doesn't really change how much I feel about the NWA or what I'm going to do when it comes to the pay-per-view. You guys already got my money. You know, you, you already got my money. Um, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I think, uh, I think this is a very, um, wild period for the NWA right now. And if this is some sort of shoot and we see Nick Aldis and MLW at some point next year, uh, then, then you all will have had to agree with me. And if this is a work, I don't know what, what, what the end result is, you know, um, Billy being a court, uh, a Cardona pa- uh, pacifist, um, you know, I don't, I don't get it, but, uh, that was this week's episode of Power. There's a lot of NWA news. We didn't even talk about the rumors of a women's television championship. We didn't talk about uh, uh, much more about the tables match with uh, with uh, Bully Ray and Mike Knox. Hopefully, we'll have time to get to that next week. Uh, make sure you do stick around on this channel, on this YouTube channel, because we do talk. Uh, we have the pre-party on Tuesdays at, uh, that would be, uh, was it 5 p.m. Eastern? And then the other Alliance guys on Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, we're here 8 p.m. every Thursday to talk NWA. DK, if they can follow you on social medias, if they want to follow you on social medias, how do they do that? If they want to follow me on social medias, they need to get a life. But <laughs> if I'm going to respond anywhere or talk about wrestling anywhere, it's my Twitter account, which is at DKMFWTX, which I think is actually all my social media account, but... And all the others, I'm kind of boring talking about me if I post at all. I mean, that's fair. Um, 
So that's going to do it for us, guys. I'm just looking for the close of the show, which I just found. And until next time, we'll see you at the match. Thanks for joining the stream. This has been a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you'll never miss a future episode? I'd also like to remind you we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. before NWA Power. You can find us on social media at The Alliance Blog. And until next time, we are The Alliance.